the Black Swarm Podcast, baby. We're raw. And welcome to the week six edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. Hank Piper here with Rob Antonell. And tonight we have a very special guest. First one we've had on since... Special. Oh, yeah. Very special. <laughs> first one we've ever had on since uh, 2020. And first non-Mastlin guy we've ever had on the show. I'm honored. Everybody's either been a coach, a former coach, or my dad. So... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Without further ado, we got uh, special guest Drew Sarakman from Stark Media. Yep. Stark uh, Media team. Sir, uh, so let just tell us a little bit about yourself. You know your football career and what led you here. Yeah, so uh, I joined Stark Media Team uh, just the beginning of football season. JP Simon is obviously you guys all know, and TJ Downing put that thing together, uh, trying to put some guys that really know the game together. Um, before that, I had a 15-year high school football coaching career. Um, started you know at St. Thomas when I was young, uh, then the Boardman. Uh, eventually, I was the offensive coordinator at Archbishop Hoban from 2013-2017, uh, opportunity to coach, you know, one of Masson's favorite people, Danny Clark, to two state championships. Proto-hype. <laughs> yeah, then, uh, yeah, the prototype. And then uh, went on, I was the head coach at Triway uh, for a year, decided, you know, yeah, I, I don't know if I really want to be a head coach. We had a good season, though. It was 5-5. Five five, yeah. Lost two games at the wire, but anyways. Then uh, – at Glen Oak for Coach Garcia's last season before he retired there, then ended back at my alma mater, St. Thomas Aquinas, for two years. Had nice two little playoff runs there. And then, you know, got married. And I was like, well, if I got married, my wife probably needs to see me. I can't be out, you know, 340 days a year doing football till 9 p.m. So now I'm doing the, the media thing and pissing a lot of people off along the way. So it's been fun. Perfect. You'll fit right in. Yeah, we uh, we definitely you know feel that one at heart. Uh, so Stark Media, tell us a little bit about that. You guys seem to kind of pop up out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, I, like I tend to keep my head down a little bit. Don't pay too much attention to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just from the from the clouds, like oh, Stark Media is doing this, that, and the other. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So obviously JP Simon and, and TJ Downing, uh, you know, who's played at Glen Oak, All American at Ohio State got together they wanted to do something that was a little bit better i mean you know you guys know when when we were growing up like you know when i graduated high school in 2005 and even when you guys were in school the canton rep did such a great job like covering high school sports the independent did a great job and now you know with newspapers kind of going downhill uh radio stations going downhill they're getting bought out by big people you know there's not as much focus not enough good high school coverage um so you know, I, I'll be totally honest. Like Q92, they do like eight games a week broadcasting. I think six of their crews absolutely stink. Um, you know, WHBC, they got Kenny Rhoda. I mean, he's from Medina. What the hell does he know about Stark County? He says all the time, well, you know, I used to room with uh, 
Paul Farrow, the old Louisville coach, doesn't mean you know about Stark County sports. You know, so what they did is they want to come together and, you know, cover Stark County sports and allow people to have the conversation and have real conversations and analysis about what's happening. Like, you guys have all heard the interviews. Like, they go on Kenny Rota's show or, or some other show, and it's, you know, not the questions that we want to hear. It's like, oh, coach, what's it like to coach this great kid and who's so talented? Oh, it's great, Kenny. You know, his his shit's, his shit's gold, you know. I mean, nobody wants to hear that. Um, so what we've done is, you know, we, we've had some shows like, my show that we do on Wednesday nights on our YouTube channel, Jim Bauer, myself, High School Football Rewind, where we actually go back and it's like no bullshit. We analyze what happened the week before. So we'll break down some film, you know, like you guys do now. And, uh, you know, just really go in and talk about, you know, what happened. Um, if teams struggling on offense. We have people send us a bunch of emails, like Louisville. A couple of weeks back, a lot of their people were sending us emails. Like, hey, talk about Louisville. Why can't we score a damn point? Well, we put on film. Why they're not scoring. So, you know, we try to do things that people want to hear. Um, and, you know, we got, we got some good graphics going out there, trying to constantly pump out content for everybody. So, you know, obviously, you know, if you're, you're listening to this podcast, you're a big high school sports fan. Uh, so go check us out, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Stark Media Team. Awesome. Um I had a follow-up question. I lost it, and it's so much <laughs> harder to do edits when it's live video, so I'm just going to keep talking until I get it back. Okay. There you go. Uh, so going back a little bit, you said you were the OC at Hoban. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked a little bit about this before the show started, <clears throat> but you know, for everyone listening, you, got, you were there, you said 13 to 17, correct? Yep. So from me and Rob's experience, you know, like I was telling you before, we played you guys in 11 up at InfoCision, and – the mood in the locker room at halftime was like we were playing like shit because we weren't beating you guys enough mm-hmm. and then you like look down look up again and you guys are piling on state championships yeah you know uh tim terrell the head coach there like i was telling you before a lot of people don't know this he got his coaching career after college he, he coached for a couple of years at youngstown state under jim trussell when he played there but his first head coaching job was at st thomas for five years i think he was like 26 and 25 in the five years he was there then got a job down at shamanon madonna a big powerhouse school down in uh just north like fort lauderdale area and then when the hoban job came open he applied they hired him he called me and said, hey, you want to be my offense coordinator? Come up there. So, you know, when he was down in Florida, it was kind of a wake-up call for him. Like, okay, if you want to be good, you know, you, he's seeing these programs like St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida, Miami-Dade, Miami-Pace, like all these these top-notch programs. We got to attract talent, and we got to develop our talent. So them putting in the new weight room and getting a strength coach up there, Mike Winkler, really changed everything for us. And like you guys know at Maslin, you know, I think Nate Moore's biggest strength as a coach is how he develops kids. So you look at a program like Hoban and Maslin now, you see kids that are physically a year ahead of everyone else's kids. So when you have a sophomore on your team, they look like everybody else's juniors. You got a junior that looks like everybody else's seniors, and then you get those stud players who, when they become seniors, they're like, okay, these kids could probably play at a lot of small colleges right now. So that's how you build the program because, you know, like I used to tell people all the time, you look at most high school programs in the state of Ohio, 
So they got 60 guys on the roster. They probably got like five dudes that are really good athletes and really good football players. And then they got a bunch of, then they got like five or six guys that are good athletes, okay football players. And then you got like six or seven guys that, you know, are good football players, but they're not great athletes. And then you got like a bunch of guys that probably don't even belong on a varsity field. So when you shrink that bottom number by, you know, by doing things right in the weight room, and then you turn those good football players into good athletes, and then the good athletes, you get a good coaching staff, turn them into good football players. That's how you turn a program around. And then obviously everyone takes notice. Like we, we did a killing in Portage County of kids like transferring in because they're like, my program at Kent is garbage right now. My program at Ravenna, I don't want to be a part of. So we're getting a ton of kids and they're like telling each other, like, oh, I'm going over to Hoban. I'm going over to Hoban. You know, same thing. Talmadge was starting to take a downturn. Green was not very good at that time. You know, a lot of kids from there. And then once that happens, you know, our first year, I think we had 44 kids on the varsity roster. And then by the time I left, I think we were around 81. And now I think Hoban's bringing in about 40 freshman football players a year, which a lot of them transfer out. I mean, you guys probably know this at Maslin. Throughout your years, you got kids that come in at freshmen because they were good at Tusla or good at Perry, and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to go play at Maslin," and that's you know, it's not really the case. Like, so they leave after their freshman year. So now they're bringing about 33 guys per class, you know, the football program. So that's how you build the program, and that's how it happened up at Hoban. You know, unfortunately for us, you know, we got Danny Clark to trans. He he transferred up there, so we're. Uh, our running back, Todd Sibley, uh, committed to Ohio State as a sophomore. He went down that summer, and this was right when Nate got the job. Like, Nate was just hired, and that summer he, you know, became friends with Danny Clark. Well, something happened. I, you know, um, Nate came in. I think Danny's dad, God rest his soul, you know, I, I had a good relationship with him. You know, I know some people uh, weren't his biggest fan, but. You know, they, him and Nate, for some reason, didn't see eye to eye. And then all of a sudden, we're in the weight room, and I look out in the hall. I'm like, hey, Tim, like, what the hell is Danny Clark doing out there? He's like, what, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, he's right there, and there's his dad. And they came up, and they're like, we want to enroll our kid at Hoban. And we're like, okay. Well, Tim just walked him up to the admissions office. They talked to the admissions people, and Danny Clark was coming to Hoban. You know, um, there were a lot of things that we had to fix with Danny, but, like, I always loved Danny's, you know, as a teammate. Uh, you know, the way he conducted himself as a teammate, I think he definitely matured. I know he had that really rough playoff game up at, was it Perrysburg? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, really rough game, and I, I, he really matured. Um, and unfortunately, in college, he can never find – he's a pro-style quarterback. And when he got recruited, everyone thought he was a dual-threat guy. That just wasn't the case. But, um, you know, he, he, he did a great job for us. He, he had some big runs when we needed it. He made big throws. He protected the football. You know, I mean, and, and this is the thing. A lot of people give Danny Clark shit, but how many high school quarterbacks can say they won two state championships, went 4-0 and against Canton McKinley, and 5-0 and against St. Vincent – or 6-0 against St. Vincent St. Mary? Not many. Yeah, not a lot. Sure and that's obviously combined with his time at Maslin and, and Hoban. So. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of how things got built at Hoban. Um, and now, like you guys know, you, you guys get it now. Like people want to be there. People want to send their kids there because they're doing things the right way. So that's kind of in a nutshell. 
the rise of home and football. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I never heard it from uh, that perspective before. So, uh, well, I never heard it from anyone on Hoban's side. Yeah. But yeah, to Hank's point, you know, when we played them in 2011, it was probably the worst team on our schedule, and then yeah. you know, it turns Rock into that. Shit. So yeah, yeah, I mean, kudos because you know, no matter how or where, like that's impressive to have that kind of turnaround. So yeah, you know, they, they've done a great job, and you know, I think it starts with. You know, obviously, back in the early 2000s, they had Tyrell Sutton, who was unbelievable football player. You know, went on Northwestern and the NFL and all that shit. But, you know, when schools make football important, they become better. And Hoban decided, like, hey, we're tired of getting our ass whooped by St. V. Because there was a point where Hoban had beat St. V nine straight times. And then when I was there, until our third year, we didn't beat them. They had won seven straight times, and now I think Hoban's won like eight straight again or ten straight again. But I think they just got tired of it, like, we're tired of losing, so we're going to make football important. And they invested a lot of money, and, you know, they put together a good staff, and, you know, here they are now. Yeah. Um, I guess on the subject of rebuilding a program and getting it, you know, in its glory again, uh might as well talk about why you're on the show right now. Yeah. So last episode, we got a fan question about, you know, Jason Hall and his era at Maslin. And we, me and Rob probably spent a solid 20 minutes just burying the guy as best we could. Um, no, <laughs> I thought I was being polite. I wasn't. I was not playing punches. Also, I have one more point to add because I forgot to bring this one up. When you played for Jason Hall, Maslin football didn't start before 2008. No, like no semblance of the yeah. history. You gotta appreciate the tradition. History. That was a thing, yeah. And yeah, it like it. It didn't. There was no tradition to the entire aspect of it, mm-hmm. like there should be. Uh, but that's the last thing I'm gonna throw on that grave right now. So the next day, we're in the group text, and you know our. Uh, let's see here. Sometimes guest, almost never time speaker. Jim sends a meme. I kind of I looked at him like oh the Venn diagram would be a fe- phenomenal uh, <clears throat> words are hard right now mm-hmm. uh, format for this and I'll even like throw it up on the screen right now just so people can see it but it was just a half ass like you know just a little jab at McKinley and really a jab at, at I would honestly say an undeserved jab at Antonio Hall because of the absolute shit show he's walked into yeah and you didn't take too kindly to it no I mean. It, Antonio's my boy. You know, I, I coached with Antonio for a year at St. Thomas. We had deep playoff run. Like, I know what he's about, and I know the shit that he's got to deal with. And, uh, you know, I had just talked to him earlier that day. He was a little upset, you know, shit's going on. So I'm like, man, these guys are dogging my boy. I got to get his back. So I was like, F them. I'm, I'm texting JP and, and the thread. I'm like, what the hell, man? He's dying laughing because – you know, he knows you guys. He's yeah. laughing, you know. And, uh, you know, they were getting me fired up. And so so I, I hit the Twitter, man, and, and, and tried to blast you guys a little bit. But, no, I mean, Antonio Hall. So here's the thing that's tough is it's his alma mater. They will never be and, – and this isn't a knock at Antonio. It's just the reality of the district. They will never be as successful as they were in the 90s. The demographics of the school and the socioeconomic climate has changed Canton City Schools. Like, they're never going to have, you know, 110 players on the roster and, 
you know, just a, a mix of different type of kids from different backgrounds. So I, I don't think we'll ever achieve that success again. But Antonio, I'm sure, you know, wants to get him there. He, he feels like, okay, this is my home. This is I, I got to, you know, do. It's just like if you guys had, a, you know, a Maslin guy that was the head coach of your program, like how much more pressure do you think he would feel? Yeah. You know, well, I, being, I think that's why they don't do it. <laughs> yeah. It, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I got my boy Antonio's back, and which, by the way, like, McKinley, their new administration in there, I don't know if you guys have noticed with, like, facilities. Oh, yeah. You know, we talk about the, you know, people always talk about the arms race of college football. They're, they, they're stepping up their game because, you know, Antonio and, and some other people have said, like, hey, you must have beat Maslin. Give us the tools we need. That facility over there is nicer than a lot of FBS Division One college facilities. I just walked through it the other day. It is unbelievable. Like, these kids, I hope hope they appreciate, you know, what they've got over there because it's insane. Same thing with, I mean, you know, they're building an indoor facility now. Yeah. Uh, downtown Canton, you know, they, their weight room's unbelievable. The locker rooms, they got meeting rooms, all, all that shit you need. But, yeah, so obviously, but with that comes higher expectations too on Antonio. And I think they were better than Menor, and they blew it. Uh, Menor's down. Um, I think they were better than... Uh, Dublin Kaufman, they just, for whatever reason or another, couldn't stop running off tackle and couldn't make tackles. And then they showed last week, and I knew I had a feeling they were going to. I mean, they just beat the piss out of Green. I mean, and as you guys know, it's not an easy offense to defend if you don't see it all the time. You know, um, they look, they made Green look like a JV team last week, and I think that's the talent that they have. But the problem for them is they're battling so many other things. Like, you just from coaching experience, if I have to coach effort, if I have to coach discipline, if I have to coach character, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna be a very good football team because there's not enough time in the day to teach you fundamentals then and scheme and put in extra stuff and game plan because my day's consumed by calling, you know, coaching all those bullshit things that you need to take care of. And that's the other thing at Hoban, which I'm sure is the case at Maslin too. You know, we never had to coach effort or or discipline like within the team. Like, no kid ever talked back. Or some player was knocking them upside the head. You know, no, no kid was not showing effort or their teammates ripped them like, hey, you're not going to do that to us. You know, and I think that's the thing that McKinley's struggling with right now. And that's kind of been like they've been their own worst enemy. But, yeah, I mean, Antonio's my boy. I think he's going to do a good job. Um, you know, people got to remember, too, that he had to hire a whole new staff. What? two months before season started yeah yeah you know obviously they got no one's and, and this is what i tell people too like i defend antonio hall but no one's feeling bad for mckinley nope no especially over here no not at all <laughs> you know but no one's feeling bad for mckinley like they they've been successful they got the resources they got talent no one's feeling bad for you strap it up quit feeling sorry for yourself act the right way and go in football games right i mean i mean to that point you know you look at uh, coach moore's first year here four and six uh, meat grinder of a schedule like until that last second hero touchdown by McKinley's quarterback you know we're walking yeah, to the playoffs at five and five mm -hmm. uh, next year quick exit in the first round and then after that it's been nothing short of a regional championship since so it it takes some time to get the stink off of the program yeah. from the previous regime and it's definitely not an easy task 
two months prior to the start of the season. Yeah, and you know when you take over program too, it's just you, there's 60 kids you got to get to know. Like obviously you guys have had teammates. There's one. There's that kid that needs the constant, like in your ear, mfing, you know, to get motivated. And then there's that kid, like man, coach, don't mf him, or he's gonna go kick and cry and stuff like that. So I mean, it takes a while to get to know your kids yeah. and how you could coach them, and then you got to coach up your staff too. Like that's one thing I think Nate's done an unbelievable job of for all the success that he's had. Those guys are still there. Major. Uh, uh, Kale Miller, uh, Troxler, you know, like you get, you get all these guys, Jarvis, you, you get all these guys who probably could go be head coaches elsewhere. You know, I know he lost John Hunick his first year, um, and he, he's up at where, Berea now, but you know, to keep your staff in place is really big. Uh, now when everything went down at McKinley, they beat it and get fired, right? Is he still there? Bedry's still there. Yeah. Yeah. So how much does that help? Does it hurt? Does it not make a difference to, like, retain a guy that, like, has had plenty of success there and elsewhere to keep kind of a – that can at least give you a read of the team, like, okay, here's how these guys like to be coached. Here's how these yeah, guys I like to be. Yeah, I think it helped. And, you know, Antonio was there um, as the AD at that time when all that mm-hmm. shit went down. Yeah. He was only at St. Thomas for one year. And then he went over to be the AD that year. So I, I think it definitely helps from a terminology standpoint. I mean, when, when you're trying to teach kids at McKinley a whole new offense, it's probably not going to be real easy on them. Um, but, you know, Bedry, yeah, I think he he does a good job coaching his quarterbacks and stuff. You know, do I totally believe in his offensive philosophy sometimes? No. Like, I think he, he makes it tough on his quarterbacks sometimes with the type of throws. Like, to throw slants, corner routes, deep routes, or, or, and, and posts like as much as he does. I mean, that's tough. Those aren't high percentage throws, and I think that gets him in trouble sometimes. But, you know, like what I saw out of him this week, that was unbelievable. Like they were just taking what the defense gave them. They were getting the ball out there, running the quarterback. You know, like you, you guys will see in the next couple of years, they got like five sophomores that are just studs. But, yeah, it definitely it helps to have that. But, you know, at, at McKinley, it's not like you're at – East Canton, where you got to replace three full-time coaches and two part-time coaches. I mean, you got to replace everybody, and and I and guys that have been there a long time, and guys who have relationships with the kids and with the parents. So now you got guys like two of these coaches went over to St. Thomas, my alma mater, and they're trying to pick kids from McKinley and take them with them. And then you got coaches going over to Hoover, and you got coaches going elsewhere. So now, now you just got to battle that too. And there were some people, you know, that didn't want those coaches to get get fired when all that shit happened. So yeah, it was a shit storm that he walked into. But you know, no one's gonna feel bad for him. Like I said. <clears throat> yeah, one thing I want to go back and touch on real quick. Now that we have an appropriate guest to talk about it, is that we know some people out there that have this philosophy. This uh, just authoritative philosophy where it's you coach every kid the same no matter what, and you know if they don't like it, they can go kick rocks, whatever. Can you just speak on what would happen if you just coach the entire team in the same manner? How would that go? Do I you, think I know you where, think? You're, where you're going here from where we were into. But <laughs> no, it's actually oh, okay. this isn't a specific thing at all. Okay. It's just we. It's things we've heard. Coaches that have been that way. No, it's not coaches. Well, 
No, no, definitely not. I didn't have a coach like that. Right. Um, but no, specifically with one friend that is like that. So like, yeah, yeah, he's like, I'll just kick him off the team. I, I think it depends. Yeah, you've got to. It, it's different when it's a college program, and I think someplace like Maslin, you get lost in the the expectation and the success and where you're supposed to be. But at the end of the day, I mean, 15, 16 year old kids make a lot of mistakes, mm-hmm. and we're not just in the business of winning football games. We're in the business of making them good people. I mean, how many people, you know, has Nate taken under his wing since he's been at Maslin and really improved their lives as, as a person, not yeah. just in a football standpoint. I mean, they're Mumford. There's an obvious one, you know, there's numerous other guys that I don't want to, you know, I don't want to call out anything, but you know, he, he's helped out a lot of kids and that's kind of what you have to do. But that also gives you a stronger bond with the kid because now they trust you. Like, you know, when we, like I talk to kids, you know, people all the time, like I coach kids that come from poverty and, you know, some of these kids that come from the inner city, they ain't going to do shit for you until they trust you. So if you coach them, just like you coach the kid whose parents, you know, makes a hundred grand a year and, and goes to training and does all this stuff and grew up with, you know, disciplined figures in their life, you're not going to get anywhere. So no, I, I you can't coach every kid the same. You you've got to change it. Now you can have standards that say like, hey, this is the minimum standard that you have to, you know, to be at to be a part of our program. Like program standards, that's important. But you know, I think you take everything on a case by case basis and just say like, okay. And and, and here's the thing, like I'll, I'll be honest. Obviously, if you are a stud and you're more talented, your leash is going to be longer. Because yeah. at a place like Maslin or at Hoban or at McKinley, you know, yeah, if, if I don't win, I'm going to find another house someplace else. <laughs> so, you know, do those guys get longer leashes? Hell yeah. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But, yeah, you got to coach every kid a little bit different, but you can still have standards that say, like, this is the standard of our program. You know, if you're out there and you're getting, you know, I'm getting notes from teachers every single day that you're an asshole in class. I can only do that so much. It gets back to that thing where I'm talking about, am I coaching effort and discipline and character or am I coaching football? Because when you have to coach those other things, you know, that's, that's when you get sidetracked. So yeah, I think it's a little bit both. I think you have to have standards, but you got to coach kids differently. How hard is it to tell that line between like, giving the kid what he needs, coaching up maybe a little hard-headed player that has talent and giving him long enough of a leash to win football games because your job's also on the line. It's that, like, rock in the hard place of you're trying to raise this to be a good kid and you need to win games at the end of the day to keep your job. Yeah, you know, I, I think an in-game thing, like, and this is what people don't realize sometimes, coaching a kid in-game is so much different than coaching him during the week. Like, We've us coaches all had kids come up the sidelines and like, what the hell are we doing? This play don't you know? And it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. I'm gonna beat your ass later, yell at you later. But right now, I need your head in the next play. So you know, it's it's about like calming those kids down. Those kids will come off the field, and that'll happen. Like, yeah. So I think in game, I I never discipline a kid in game. Now, if he gets like a stupid penalty or he's fighting, he gets thrown out of game. Well, then yeah, you're no use to us the rest of the game. So I'm gonna rip you right there. But you know you. It's, it's tough to discipline kids in-game because your head's got to be focused on the next play just like theirs does. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I think 
you know, it is a fine line that you have to walk because, you know, there's, there's times that you're like, okay, you've got to sit down. This is why I take a case on case basis. If I allow this to happen, is it going to snowball? If I allow this kid to constantly be late, is that going to snowball into other kids? And now this hurts my program. So that's why I said, you know, you got to have standards that they got to get to. But it is a fine line, and it changes where you are. The expectation at a Cleveland St. Ignatius is different than the expectation at Akron East. You know, these kids at Akron East, hey, he's not at practice today. Well, you know, mom needed the car. Mom's car broke down. We don't got money to fix it. I ain't going to be at practice because I ain't walking six miles sometimes you will have those kids that'll do it and i've, I've coached kids like that before we're saying ignatius you miss practice all you had to do is you know hop out the dorm that you're you're staying on campus or you know fire up the fire up the bends and, and roll on to practice on time so I, th I think your standards have to be different based on where you are so the, those lines do move based on the program you're coaching at yeah. yeah it's kind of where i wanted to go with that next uh to begin with but besides from a demographic standpoint You've been at different types of schools, different sizes of schools. Uh, you mentioned earlier that at Hoban, you never had to worry about effort. Mm -hmm. Kids coached each other up. They yep. held everybody responsible. Do you think it helps a program having more kids in the pro? Like, does a bigger school maybe have a higher standard, have more kids that can hold each other accountable compared to a smaller school? I think that's more of a practice thing. Like, you're able to do more practice when you have more kids. And then when you have a weight program like a Hoban or a Maslin, and you can develop even those kids that aren't, like, great, that gives you a great look at practice. You know, like, you guys, I'm sure, have been part of teams where, like, God, our scout team's just awful. Been there. You know what I mean? Been so, that scout team guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, more kids definitely help you because they allow you to practice. And that's part of building a program. Not to mention, you know, obviously at Maslin, they probably don't worry about this as much, but from a fundraising standpoint, you know, I coached at a small school. I was a head coach at Triway. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I just need like five more kids to sell discount cards so we can buy <laughs> this tackling dummy. You know what I mean? So, yeah, more kids, like a bigger school, you know, yeah, having more kids definitely helps you. I mean, if Akron East, like the way they're co like I don't know if you guys have had an opportunity to see them, like over the past four or five years, they're probably pumping out three D1 kids a year, yeah. which means – those kids are there as their sophomore. We're talented as a junior. They're talented, and as a senior, they're playing really good. But they only have about thirty-five guys on the roster because Coach Hayes is like, "This is our standard, and I'm going to keep it high." And I know what you're going through, so you can't complain to me. You know, uh, you know, a kid complains to Coach Marcus Hayes. Oh, you know, I, you know, this and that and this, and you know, my circumstances. He's been there. He come from where you come from, so he understands what you can do and what you can't, and I think that allows him to coach those types of kids harder. It goes back to trust, but yeah, numbers is is it's huge, it's huge to be able to do that, especially like I said when you're able to develop them, and then they're useful to you in practice, and then when you go deep in the playoffs, those kids become better. Like I'm sure there were kids right now that are playing for this Maslin team that you guys might have known like as sophomores, like that kid will probably never help us. But the way that like yeah. they're developed and the, the extra practice they have from the deep playoff runs make those kids a lot better. I mean, how much better would you guys have been if you were going to the regional championship you know, every single year, state semis every single year? Those extra four or five weeks of practice, they make a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Um, I really don't have any more follow up. It's no. been a while since we had a guest on. Yeah, it's so. I kind of had to like, you know, when we were having a lot of guests on, train myself into do li- do less of listening and more of like, okay, what can I ask off what he's saying right now? Mm-hmm. And now I'm just back into listening. Just mode. right back into listening. Hey, that's yeah. cool. I mean, I think that's what people want to hear. I don't want to hear. They want to hear people have a conversation. Yeah. 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 So I guess uh, we can keep moving to the words are really hard for oh me right now. Goodness. I am riding the struggle Let's, bus. Uh, Masson's coming on. off a humongous win last yes, week against the number you. one team in thank the you. state, St. Edwards. Number 19 uh, team in the country. Yeah. Great game. Uh, obviously, we were we were there. I believe you were covering a different game at the time, but you yeah. had you did watch some film of it. Yep, yep. So uh, why don't you just give us your first impression of what you thought of the game? I mean, I don't think it could have gotten off to a worse start yeah. for Maslin. Yeah. I mean, anytime you, you uh, return the opening kickoff, that's just like a deflating moment yeah. for your mm-hmm. team. And then for them to come out on offense, the fumble, and, and St. Ed's go. I mean, they gift-wrapped to them 14 points. But then when you look at the rest of the game, they had to, obviously they had to climb out of that hole, but they outscored them 31-14 the rest of the way. And, and I mean, that, that field goal they missed was no chip shot either, 42, 43 yeah. yards at yeah. the end. You know, so, but the one thing, like I was talking to Jim Ballard on our high school football rewind show – the growth of Jalen Slaughter. Like at the beginning of the season on our show, I told everyone, like, listen, I know he played last year, but you really start to see growth in sophomores about halfway through their sophomore season. And the difference for him of like on his throws, especially the throws over 15 yards, the touch he's getting on his passes now, you know, like against Glen Oak, he's throwing these deep balls and they just look flat. And they're kind of sailing, he's overthrown guys. Now, like on the touchdown pass, he drops that nose in, you know, of the football. So Troxler's done a great job with him, you know. And and, and I think a kid like Jalen, you know, his athletic ability and, and you know, he's he's not your typical quarterback frame. It forces you to be more creative on offense. So I think that's good for Maslin too. Um, Ardell Banks is really growing into – probably a power five type receiver he's starting to look that way so when they were able to connect with him with those big plays i think it gave jalen a lot of confidence i think it gave the team a lot of confidence and you know obviously you know with the way they do things and and the guys there that they're never going to quit on a game you know they're never going to fold and give up but um no i I think it's you, you really saw that game like if you go back and watch moeller who is, is a better football team than St. Ed's, but talent-wise, they're probably close. Like, the growth of this Maslin team from then until now, especially up front, I think, has, has been pretty tremendous. And then same thing, another guy that stands out to me, Pringle, mm-hmm. that linebacker, oh, yeah. he is a dude. Yeah, dude's a dude. He Absolutely. is a dude. So, I mean, I, I think you guys should be excited. Now, Fitch is, is a tough team. I'm sure you guys talk about that, but – just looking at this St. Ed's game. Now, one thing that I, I, I told someone earlier, I think Maslin is, uh, is better than what people think they are statewide, but I also think St. Ed's might not be as good as everyone thought. Um, but, you know, and, and it, like I said, if you don't gift wrap 14 points, that game's really not in question. You know, you, you know so. Yeah, absolutely. But it's a great win. Yeah, um, I think, Rob, you and I were talking about this after the game. They didn't look like the number one team in Ohio that night, but they were at the time we beat them, so I'm taking that to the bank and taking that one to the grave. There you go. Uh, 
I got I just got some notes of like overall impression from the game. Yeah, anytime you spot a top twenty five team in the nation fourteen points off rip, less than ideal situation. Yeah, not ideal. Um <clears throat> defensively, I we have been blitzing the fuck out of teams like we never have in the entire time. I've McConnell's been head of the defense. So and that just continued and I think for the most part they hit home. We're pretty successful. Uh, we did. That's the first time I've ever really, ever really seen us stem the front defensively. Mm. You know, we usually line up, and whatever front we're running, we're lining up in that. But uh, it, for anybody that doesn't know, pre-snap, line up, show one front, shift the defensive line one way or another, a way to just make the offensive line communicate because that can for change sure. your, that can change your roles so much. Like just going back to my senior year game one against Booktel. They would stem the front all the time, like starting a three-three stack look, stemmed like an underfront, and you know prior to the movement, I'm doubling the nose of the play side guard. After the movement, I got to block back on the three tech now. Yep, and it's just one more thing to make the offensive line communicate. And what do you think of this one? Super easy to install because all you're doing is teaching them. Here's where you start. Here's where you end. You yeah. know the rules. End. Yeah, well, and the other thing, like, you talk about them blitzing. I think that's really big for them when they were getting beat up front. I mean, week one, they got beat pretty bad up front against Moeller. So when you blitz defensively on first down and you put people, you know, it's it it's a risk-reward type thing. Our team's going to hit some plays on you when you blitz? Absolutely. But if you can, like, three or four drives throughout the day, you get home on those blitzes in first down and make it second and 12, second and 13. Now it makes your defensive line better and your defense better against the run because teams are going to throw the ball more. And that's So it's, so I, I really like that they, they're doing that on first down. Uh, and then as far as, like you said, stem in the front, I mean, it, you know, if, if you're going against a team that just runs, likes to gap and run power, and, and, and pull different guys, you know, that screws, that screws with you a lot. So, like, at Hoban, we used to actually have a check um, where the backside guard would pull on power or the center, depending on where you lined up. So teams that stemmed on us were like, all right. And, you know, now the whole, like you said, the communication has to change. Now i got to block this guy, that guy. And if, you have, if you're coming out of the huddle with not a lot of time, the quarterback can't wait for you. So, yeah, that could screw up a lot of things, and that definitely helps them up front too. Yeah. Uh, just a couple other things that kind of stuck out to me defensively. We just shut down their double fullback stuff. Like, they couldn't do anything out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised to see them, you know, when they first came out with it in the game that we stuffed it, they didn't get much going, and they just kept coming back to it. It was – they just kept trying to run their stuff like, oh, it's let's – you know, we got to grind the clock out. We like to run the ball with double fullback, and they never got anything, any sort of traction with uh, that personnel in the game. They're big too. Yeah, Saint Ed's yeah. big up front, big mm-hmm. yeah. And just us shutting that down, I think, when an offense tips their hand like that, is when we can really tee off on what they're trying to do. Um, any sort of side to side stuff that they try to get going, I think that <clears throat> that's been the same thing for Maslin for years now but it's good to see that against a team like St. Ed's too that they you know nothing going they do the power read stuff hand it off to the running back running the sweep and he goes for like negative two and the quarterback we talked about this on when we watched highlights he was who we thought we he was you know yeah. good in the option game kind of sneaky with the ball in his hand will make a good throw or two but 
other than that, you weren't really too worried about him. Yeah. Um, offensively, Trox and the rest of the offensive staff scheme these guys the fuck up. I thought, you know, we talk about we've been around Smash a lot, but we added so much more to that in just this game. Smash fade with where you're placing the corner out with a wide fade. That was Banks's <coughs> second touchdown. Yeah. Um, a lot of smash pivots, so you're replacing the hitch with like a pivot route. That we ran a lot with rollouts too. I think it works out for the timing a lot better with the quarterback and where he needs to be. Um, a lot of hitch, a few hitch and goes, the fade slant, switch verts. We hit that. We thought we hit that. It was rolled incomplete. It was rolled incomplete, even though he caught it and took like five steps with it. <laughs> but, um. Added the little motion to the snag, so it gave us Slaughter the you know the man zone read. That's where he hit Banks on the backside slant for the first touchdown. Uh, added to the run game some stuff. We can watch that. The tight end pop pass. Love to see that shit. And but other than that, I think the only downside was a few badly timed drops, a couple of misassignments. It's going to happen. I mean, they're yeah. kids. They're going to continue yeah. to get better. It's, you know, it, yeah. it's a 16 to 18 year olds. Like, I'll, I tend to harp on misassignments and poor execution a little bit more. But at the end of the day, these are kids doing this shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, in a big game, that shit's amplified too. Mm-hmm. You know, in a close game, that shit's yeah. amplified. You know, you're up two touchdowns against, you know, Mansfield early. The kid drops the ball. You don't remember it the next week. You know, you drop it in a big game against St. Ed's, well, now people are going to remember that. Yeah. Um, What do you think about a team being, like, too amped up, too hyped up pregame? I think it depends. You just got to know your team. Like, I – it's funny you say that because I was messing with JP a couple weeks ago or or last week, and I was telling TJ Downing the story – the first state championship game, Hoban against St. Ed's, or, or Hoban against Maslin, uh, like that Hoban team needed to be like provoked. For some reason, they like couldn't get up until someone provoked them. Well, and, and as they were getting there, you know, JP's coming out of the tunnel with the sledgehammer, yeah. and they're all huddled up, and uh, I don't know, you know, he's just talking shit or something, you know, being wild, being who he is. And, like, they were all huddled up praying, and he didn't know. Obviously, he didn't know, you know. So, like, their strength coach, Winkler, pops up, like, afterwards and starts talking shit to JP. So, uh, then all of a sudden, all the Hoban players are like, oh, that's our boy, Winkler. We got to go get his back. So, then they, like, riled them the shit up. And I'm like, that's the worst thing to do. Because for some reason, we would even talk about it. We're like, I don't know what it is, like, if – our kids, it's, you know, it's, it's just because, like, we, we were talented. Like, they just would come out and be like, all right. And then someone would smack them in the mouth and be like, okay, let's go now. You know, but, like, like you're talking about kids that are amped up early. I mean, I think that's good. Like, as long as it's not clouding your communication or, like, you're not being able to get back in the huddle after a big play to call, I think that's fine. Like, I want kids to have fun because then they're loose. Like, I've seen some idiots that bang their heads on lockers. I don't give a shit as long as you go out there and make tackles. Like, I don't care. So, yeah, I mean, it just depends on the team. Like, but I I know, like, me personally, I was never, like, 
I was flip the switch guy when I was playing. I wasn't playing pre-game. I'm just like, all right, whatever. I'm joking around. But then when the game came, I was like, you know, an F you, I'm going to bury your ass. And I'm going to talk some shit. So, I mean, I, I see, like, sometimes where people be like, oh, they're too amped up. They're going to, you know, whatever. You know, I, I don't think it's a big deal either way. I mean, I brought that up. And I don't mean, like, too amped up in general. I mean, like, compared to an average game, mm-hmm. you know, because – I got in the game a little bit earlier than I usually do, and we're sitting there waiting on the team to get in the tunnel. You know, the band gets out on the field, mm-hmm. they do their thing, and it's like, okay, they start playing. They The Tiger Roar starts queuing on the loudspeaker, team walks into the tunnel, and we do the whole shebang. And it seemed like we were waiting on the team a little bit longer. Like, if the I don't know if the pregame speech was going long or what, but waiting on them to get out into the tunnel, and then the kickoff – and then the fumble immediately after that, it seemed like they weren't playing loose, like you said. Like yeah. they, were, they were so like just so hyped up, they were playing tight. And, and that not, can happen. And not like they, and, you know, wanted to do. And as a coach, that's like something you really can't control. Like there's times in pregames where I'd have those kids that would get too amped, and I'm like, "What the hell are we doing?" Like, let's go. Or like, I'm like, "What the hell are they doing?" Or you'd get that kid that just gives too long of a speech in the tunnel. And he's just losing his mind in there. And it's like, what are we doing? Where are we? Like, get your ass out on the field. Like, so, no, I get that. I get what you're saying. Yeah, that can happen, too. Like I said, we're dealing with kids here who, you know, they probably are amped up. They probably took some pre-workout, and they're just jacked to the moon. Like, who knows? Yeah. Um, Beyond that, my only other real impressions of the game, officially their kicker went over four on – Field goal attempts, really 0 for 5 since we handed him the one at the end of the game. Never great when you leave 12 points on the board like that. Technically 15, depending on how you do the math, but, you know, whatever. Um, And other than that, it seemed like right at the end of the game, man, both teams were trying to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Like, that was my lasting impression of it. I, I walked away thinking that was like a top five game to watch. But I can't really put it at the top because it seemed like both teams were just shitting down their leg at the, you know, right at the whistle. And we just happened to stop doing that for a couple plays just long enough to get that mm-hmm. last touchdown. Yeah. I mean, you got you got to win those close games before you know how to win those close games. Yeah. So I feel yeah. like sometimes. So maybe that's what they were going through. Like, like when was the last down-to-the-wire game that this group had? That green game last year? Yeah. Yeah. So how many new starters do you have now compared to then? This might have been their first, you know, yeah. moment that you're going down to the wire. Really, you don't learn how to win from that one. When was the last down well, from to the, the green one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. When was the last down to the wire game we won? East St. Louis. I mean, that's the one that comes to mind. But yeah, uh, so like, yeah, that was 2018. Yeah, and so that's that's the thing. Like, you got to find a way and learn how to win those mm-hmm. those close games, and maybe that's what it was. You know. Yeah, and hey, I am all for learning experiences. Now they got it. This is a game you can look back at, like. You know, we did this shit before. Let's go, you know, win whatever situation we're in now. Exactly. I look at, like, I looked at Moeller. Sorry to interrupt, but, like. No, look, you're good. Looked at Moeller, like, you know, you just hold, you know, you, you get a handful of missed tackles, bad angles, and this and that, and that game's a whole hell of a lot closer than it should have been. Uh, this game, that's how you win. 
Yep. That's just how you win, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't feel bad about it if I'm Nate Moore. Like, do I feel bad about handing him 14 points? Yeah. But the rest of the game, I mean, shit, that's a good football team. They're yeah. going to make plays, and you have to make plays yourself if you're going to be like last year against Green. You guys left a lot of plays out there. Mm. You know, you got to make those plays if you're going to beat good football teams. And that's exactly that they learned how to do it. So hopefully they remember how to do it now next time they play a really good team, which happens to be this week. You know, Fitch is a good team. Yeah, I mean, things are definitely trending upwards for us, for our offense uh, in particular. But, uh, you know, you're not supposed to win that game against Eds last no. week after doing what we did you're, you're not supposed to win that game eds is always a disciplined tough team you hand them mm-hmm. 14 points and you're not going to come back from it we made some big plays like, like you said and they went out there and did it and we're earlier in the year i think we missed a few big plays they're starting to connect more and more and more uh we're limiting the mistakes obviously we, you know we gave up a bad start but from mm-hmm. there you know it kind of went pretty well for the rest of the game um until we comparatively a, <laughs> until we have a bad snap a bad couple of plays and this assignments bad, on bad snap okay by definition it was bad i don't know if it was a snap though i think the refs missed that messed that up that's my take it looked like the ball was never snapped at all if we are you talking about the fumble yeah he, he never snapped that ball it should have been a dead ball Referees do make mistakes. I will tell you that. That's that's for sure. So <laughs> there was the one angle that I saw online from behind, and it looked like I don't know if the center just overthought it. It looked like he went to snap it, stopped, and then tried to snap. He just like he flicked the ball forward with his hand, and that's not a snap. Nothing about that is a live ball. Yeah. But they just ruled it a fumble, and but whatever, you know, that's still a mistake. Yeah. Which you don't want to happen, but. It should have been just five yards for a penalty, not a turnover. Yeah, false start on the center. Yeah, yeah snapping for, you know, whatever. Snap but, um, yeah, still, I mean, it is a mistake, but it cost more in the game than it should have, I think. But Then from there, you get the ball back, you're marching, you're going down the field, and then you get that four and out from their 30-ish yard line. Then, you know, all right, it's coming down, nut crunch time. We get one three and out. We have enough timeouts just to hold it with that and maybe do something. First down run, nine-yard gain. Shit. Yeah. I remember I had uh, – so I that was my weekend up at base, and it was a three-dayer. So I managed to sneak down from Youngstown to get to the game. That And I needed to drive back up. Well, I needed to get a ride back up that night. And I remember saying – to my right, I'm like, listen, if they get a first down here, we're leaving. We can't stop the clock. It, we can't win. Mm-hmm. He crosses the line. I stand up, like start to walk. Fumble recovered by the Tigers. Wait, what the fuck happened? Yeah. Pringle ripped it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, that'll be in the highlights we'll watch here in a minute. But And then we just pull it together, man. And by that point in the game... You know, Ed stopped pretending that they had a corner that could cover Banks one-on-one. Just true double coverage over top of him. And at that point, it's like, who else you got? Who's going to step up and make that play? Who's going to go out there and win that goddamn game? And you saw it. Just hell of a throw. Hell of a catch. Game. Blouses. That's it. 
Still almost tried giving it back to them after that, but yeah. <laughs> That's a tough throw in the red zone too. Yeah. Like I was I was telling Jeff Tyler, the guy I do games with, <clears throat> it shows your when the, what the red zone does is it reveals your weaknesses as an offense. So like a team like Green who goes five wide, they can't run the ball. So in the red zone they're gonna struggle. You know, and when Maslin now, you know, with, with Slaughter having touch on the ball, which you really need to do in the red zone, I mean, it makes them a lot more dangerous. And, you know, it's going to keep the run game open more. So, I mean, that's that's a great sign going forward that, you know, they're scoring points in the red zone, touchdowns yeah. in the red zone. Absolutely. <clears throat> that's about all I got for the uh, St. Ed's game. Rob, you got anything else? No, I think that's about it. Uh, let's see here. How are we doing on time? Um, okay. Let me get – want to uh, – you want to watch a little bit of film with us, or you just sure, want to jump yeah. straight into Fitch, or what? No, he, watch some film. Your show. I'm along for the ride. All right, All right. awesome. We'll, we'll get right uh, into that film then. We'll get into that film right after, right after I get this read in for the new official oh. podcast sponsor. Okay. Well, Ground Zero Maslin Martial Arts action. Uh, you know, if you if you want to start working out, if you've been working out for a while, and you want to get something a little bit different, more than just like the weights or the stairmaster. Ground Zero MMA is uh, probably what you're looking for. They got all sorts of different stuff there. Uh, MMA, boxing, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, yoga, private one-on-one lessons, and uh, lessons for the kids. So if that's something you're interested in, you know, it's it's a whole different type of workout. It's something like what they used to do to us back in the day in weight training. Like, oh, go play basketball, kids. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, – you get a really good workout in without feeling like you're really getting a workout in. Um, it's located on 133 1st Street Northeast, Maslin, 44646, across from Maslin Transmission and Chloe's Diner. If you want to get a hold of them, just uh, see what they're all about. You can just go ahead and stop down there or check out GroundZeroMMA.com, Ground Zero Maslin Martial Arts on Facebook, or GZ... Uh, not hyphen. Um, underscore. Underscore, thank you. Words are hard tonight. I am riding the struggle I just bus. you knew that one. GZ underscore MMA on Instagram. So go ahead and check them out. Shout out to those guys, specifically my buddy Dustin Moedano. Reach out to me for that. So with that, we'll get into a little film room action. Check out Fitch and get you out of here, huh? Sounds good, folks. All right. Awesome. All right, back with a little film room action now. Uh, we're going to get into first one looking like the game-winning tutter against Ed's last week from the sideline view. So, Rob, just hit play, let it roll, and let's watch. Good drop. Now three-step, hits a back foot hits, lets it rock. And just a quick little hitch and go. Corner bites on a little bit, waits on him. Just gives him enough room, make that pitch and catch. Yeah, like like I just told you guys a little bit ago, it's like this ball by him dropping the nose down is such like an elite high school throw, because so many times those those quarterbacks are just throwing that ball flat, and the receiver's got to go up and make the play. Like he's got to go snatch it. Um, so for him to be able to drop the nose down in that spot. That's like you ever see like on Hard Knocks and stuff, the trash can game. Mm-hmm. Those guys dropping the ball in the trash can, it's exactly what this is. And that corner does a terrible job of squeezing the fade. <laughs> I think that's one thing uh, 
Longwell was elite at back in the day was just dropping the ball in the bucket on those deep balls. And to have another quarterback to do that so soon, another lefty no less. I Listen, I Maslin fans understand we're blessed. We have some quarterback talent right now, and I just want to watch this again in all its glory. <laughs> yeah. It's a big-time throw and a big-time moment. I love this angle because as I'm watching it, it seems like I'm in the play, like I'm actually another guy out there on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like from a receiver standpoint is you see where Tolls kind of speeds up. He finds it right there, and he kind of changes trajectory a little bit to go get the ball. And same thing happened in the Glen Oak game, whereas like Slaughter may not have done this all of the time. You saw bits and pieces of when he could do this. And there was that one long throw down the sideline, the far sideline against Glen Oak, where this happens. He throws it, and it looks like Tolles isn't in position to go get it. Tolles readjusts his route, speeds up, goes and finds it. And it, like you said, it's an easier play for the receiver. Um, I can go find the ball. It's coming down towards me. I can adjust away from the corner in this situation, or um, I can go find the ball rather than having to go up and make a play or you know the defender's right in my face kind of thing. But The other thing the receiver does is – he gives the quarterback a lot of space to make this throw. If he's got to put it on his outside shoulder, he's yeah. got space because he's saving that space between the numbers and the sideline. So many times you see these kids run fades and they get so wide and the quarterback's got to drop the ball in like a th- one yard area yeah. on the mm-hmm. sideline. So he does a great job. You know, the corner definitely helps him out and not being physical at all, but, uh, to be able to save so much space for him to be able to make that throw. It looks like he starts at like the top part of the numbers, leaving all of that room to the sideline. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing with uh, when you're playing cover one like that, you know, the corner knows he's got help inside. Also, I don't like cover one in the red zone because what's that free safety going to do from where he's at relative to the rest of the field? But it's good on that receiver to like keep the leverage. You know, we talk about we've talked about before. You want to stack up the corner attack the leverage attack of him. leverage yeah mm-hmm. i mean and it's just terrible technique by the corner too yeah he's like he's pointed in as soon as the ball snap he turns and he's backpedaling mm-hmm. so now like he, he's he wasn't even threatened so why are you backpedaling wait until he puts the hitch move on so yeah. now he's backpedaling as soon as he puts that little hitch move on he's like oh i gotta come back which the kid ends up running right by him yeah, man, just beautiful pitch and catch, touchdown, game. Yep, absolutely. Safe for Hail Mary and a couple of missed kicks, but game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's how long it takes me to get out of this. All right, let's the see what programs we, got we have set up here. I think the next one is either Banks or yeah, it's Banks. So, nope. I think this is Toll's highlight. Okay, so this is Toll's highlight film. Just quick little smash concept this hell of a play right here just snag concept protection breaks down um play it back a couple more times too far that's all right it'll be the next one uh but yeah i mean slaughter makes a great play here i mean of course tolls makes a catch but i think referring to slaughter in the back yeah this is a play where if i'm playing defense on madden i'm putting my controller through the tv (laughs) it's like the quarterback you know press the circle button just in time to get past that tackling animation gets the ball out good on tolls to kind of drift behind the backers in coverage you know seeing his quarterback start to scramble a little bit but wanting to stay where he knows he's going to be that that is a risky throw though like 
to throw that late across the middle is yeah. risky. So, I mean, the fact that he fit in there is a really good throw. But I wouldn't doubt it in film. <laughs> they're like, eh. You know, like, I don't know what point in the game this is. Like, if they were down, if this was, like, going towards the winning drive, well, obviously he's got to make the throw. Or if it's, like, yeah. fourth yeah. down, he's got to. But So this is this is the third quarter, but I think it's late yeah, it's, in the third quarter. Because I remember watching that and, like, I didn't like it because I think we were down. We needed it. Um, and then, like, you made the point. It's like, oh, hell of a point. Yeah. And we're like, earlier in the game, it's like, oh, you know, it is what it is. But Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, then hats off. I mean, if that's a play you guys needed, then, yeah, he's got to try to make that mm-hmm. throw. But On third and five, no less. Yeah, just gets it barely over this linebacker's hands, drops but, it right into tolls. But that's another thing, man, getting that ball over the linebackers and underneath the safety, yeah. not letting it hang up there. Yeah, because that's, that's a lot to do with his feet. I mean, Troxler's done such a great job with his feet. Feet, his footwork you know he is an undersized guy so he's got to be able to move to throw through windows like i mean i'm a browns fan i mean how many times have we seen baker mayfield just launch the ball into people's arms or helmets like because that dude doesn't move mm-hmm. his feet in the pocket yeah so for him as a sophomore to start to do those things that's really impressive so this one was our <clears throat> looks like first or second and a mile little slant with an inside fade action scheming up that cover one fourth quarter yep it's a great snag yeah it is just another uh little smash action you know run those hitches at him all night make him bite on the hitch and go here's again a wide angle view of the touchdown the game winner if you go back to like right at the beginning of it you can you can't really see the safety over top of banks you can kind of see a shadow right before the ball snapped, but facing true double coverage like that, like I said earlier, you know, who's your other guy you can go to? Yeah, for sure. And also want to shout out offensive line and the running back, just holding up protection for him to get that ball off. Yeah, I think there's two different highlights of Trell blocking on this play. Like, yeah. Not even because it's a touchdown, but because of the block. I think that's all of Toll's highlights there. The celebration. Still love to see it. Yeah. I love the fact that I had random middle-aged men jumping around in the <laughs> stadium, coming up and, like, high-fiving each other. It's mm-hmm. not something you get very often. Football's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Just the, the concept of, like, how our fans have been and how, in general, how fans have been over the years. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was 20 years ago. So... You get those moments few and far between, so it's nice when it happens. Football brings people together, man. All right, now this is the ooh. This is Welch's yeah highlights. So that first play there, if you want to run it back one more time, that was on the Hail Mary where a dude just found an open spot over the middle, mm-hmm. and they throw the flag on that hit. I conveniently fumbles it right to his other guy. I absolutely hate. What was the flag? So, I think they – I don't know if it was a double – There wasn't a flag on this, was there? Yeah, that was a – For what? So, he – flag gets thrown at the hit. And I think it's just refs now instinctively throwing flags at big hits regardless of how clean it is. I thought there was like a late hit out of bounds. Um, at the end of the play, there was also a face mask. And that's how they got in field goal range. So, Welch got flagged for hitting a tight end in the knee? Yeah. I don't know. Because I remember seeing a flag get thrown in. Piece of laundry got thrown on the field right at that hit. Like, the flag was well, there. Well, he- here's the thing, and this gets me all the time, too, 
it's possible that that you saw the orange beanie that looks like the flags. Mm-hmm. I remember when the fumble they used to throw out yeah. the blue beanie mm-hmm. to mark the fumble. Yeah. So they might have been throwing out the orange one that looks exactly like uh, a flag, or he threw his flag instead of the beanie. That's possible too. I've seen guys do that, but it's probably where the fumble was. That's probably what you saw there. Yeah, you know, gun to my head, it was a flag, but it's, you know, a hundred percent possible that the wall behind me gets splattered with my brains because well, well, it was the beanie. Well, here's the thing too. I've seen some of the chubbier officials lose that beanie because it's short, like in their pants, their mm-hmm. belt, and they go to reach and it's not there, so they just throw the flag instead. Yeah, yeah. put something down. Yeah, yeah, to throw, put something there. Yeah. Uh, okay, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Or there just was no flag, and you were wrong. I mean, I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. I have been known to be wrong a time or two. Yeah. So showing a little one high here at the snap. Welch on an island just, you know, forces the quarterback to put it where he doesn't want it to and makes a play. Another one, good job fighting through the block there. Getting that low tackle. Showing a little one high again. What do you think about this as a highlight? I'm curious. Yeah, that one kind of threw me off to see that in the highlight. Really. I mean, it shows your physical. That's that's the way I took it too. I was like the positive yeah. spin. He's very physical. He doesn't yeah. get bullied. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's like, hey, I'm I'm here all night, boy. Mm, okay. you, you better have a good release, or I'm gonna jam your ass and throw you into the ground. I love. It. I mean, if you have an ability to press in high school football, you see teams, and, and a great example is Green. So all all season they're carving dudes up. Well, all of a sudden, McKinley comes out, and they got a team that can athlete and play man-to-man, yeah. mm-hmm. and they can't do shit. So it is so much harder mm-hmm. on high school quarterbacks to throw against man-to-man coverage and press, especially if you got a safety that can roam back there, than, you know, than it is you know, just a good zone. Because all these damn offenses now, I, I mean, I when I was, my last year at St. Thomas, we threw it all around because we had athletes and our line wasn't great. But, God, it's just like – they're throwing these five-yard hitches forever, and then it's like eventually you get to the playoffs, and that shit doesn't work anymore. So, like, why even do it? You're like, feel mm-hmm. like you're not. When's the last five-wide team that won a state championship in Ohio? Um, I don't. Uh, I mean, like, you know, yeah. like um, even some of the best, like they when, lost to when like Maddie Mock threw. Yeah, <laughs> Maddie Mock threw for twenty thousand. Yeah. They lost in the state championship to Norway, mm-hmm. who had athletes and were physical. Yeah. You know what I mean? And ran the football. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's tough. I mean, even Mitch Trubisky, they didn't win it, did they? I was going to say, I don't think you Winners know, won. They lost to no, yeah. You know, so it, it's it's tough to be a five wide team. Especially when it's snowing on December 10th. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're not building your team to last. Like, even like when I was the head coach at Triway before then, they had like. Parker Carmichael and Derek Carmichael, who were really good quarterbacks, and they were throwing the ball over the place. Eventually, they'd get to the playoffs. Someone was too physical for them and had enough athletes to match up on them, and it's like, you're done. Go home. Yeah. I just, you know, so. It's so tough, especially when you don't see it very often. Yeah. I remember when we were playing, we were were playing a team that did some press, and we started practicing it, like, that week. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but like we're trying to, you know, remember how our practices used to be. They weren't super efficient to begin with. But now we're devoting practice time to learn how to like get off the press, and it doesn't work that way. It's like the kids that were kind of dudes could kind of figure it out. Mm-hmm. But like just the going up there, with your quarterback is yeah. so much different. I guess on this subject, this would be a good time to ask. I have a working theory that if I was just like 
suddenly put in charge of some little podunk, you know, cornfield school that's going like 0 and 10, 1 and 9 every year. Nerva. They're everybody's homecoming game. Mm-hmm. First thing I'm doing, uh, defense, we are running press man, cover zero. Just because teams don't see it enough that you're going to get some success with it. You know, As long as you have some speed on the outside. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you yeah. might not – you're probably not going to win states with it. You're going to run into a buzzsaw at some point. But you're going to find more success than you had. Yeah, it's in tougher every- on quarterbacks to mm-hmm. make throws against yeah. man-to-man. I mean, that's why, like, like Mike Cook, the defense coordinator at Glenoak, who's I think it's his second year there, I mean, he's like, okay, we got athletes. I'm going to try to play man-to-man. And, like, as you guys saw against Maslin, you know, I think they, they ran the ball. Did, did they have much success throwing the ball against Glenoak? Uh, uh, not as much as running. I mean, I think we hit a couple passes, yeah. but we missed a couple passes also, and that's what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, you know, those 50-50 balls are a lot – those deep passes are a lot tougher to complete, you know, against man-to-man coverage, yeah. you know. So, uh, no, I, I love playing man. If you have the ability to do it – now, obviously, when a team goes trips, you can't really do it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, teams that are two-back teams, teams that are, you know – uh, like to run the ball and, and teams that play with a tight end, three wide receiver teams. Hell yeah, play man, especially the short side, like the single receiver side. Play man. That's one thing Ed's actually attacked with a couple times is, you know, usually the the um, the backside receiver corner, it's a one on one. You're pretty much on an island, mm-hmm. and they would go formation to the boundary, put their X out wide to the field, let him go make a play. Hey, corner, you better be ready to defend this, and the I'm surprised they didn't go back to that well more than they did because when they did it, they found some success against us. You know, hit a deep ball um, just down the field, hit a comeback route when the corner was playing off. And they only went to it a couple times, but the times they did that they, you know, they they moved the chains. Yeah, you know, I I think looking back when last time I played Maslin was when we were at Glen Oak. I think that's the only time we've gone against them, and they – I think they beat our ass, but um, one thing I remember watching them is when they went against teams that were three by one, if you put the back to the trip side, they went man-to-man on the single receiver on the back side. But if you put the back to the single receiver side, the corner would now be like your flat defender, and it would be like a cover two look on the back side. He'd try to funnel the receiver into the safety and come back to the flats so like when I, when would that have been that would have been um God, garcia's last year at okay Oak, so 18 All right. okay yeah yeah okay so that was when it was, it was at Glen i was Oak. thinking like was at much Oak. further back yeah okay so that was just mcconnell was our dc then now it's a co-dc mcconnell mm-hmm. and leno gotcha. so i don't know i'm which isn't a bad thing that they're doing, you know. It's just, you know, but yeah, when the backs away and it's just one on one, yeah. Well, like I said, they're playing man to man. Come, come get us. Come attack us. Prove yeah. us that you can complete the pass. And if not, we're going to put, you know. So actually, one thing we tried to do, and we ended up scoring a touchdown on it, or or he might have got tackled at like the two yard line. Is I'm like, all right, this is what we're going to do. Because that backside safety, we know, is going to be uh, to the single receiver side if we put the back over there. So what we did is we put the back um, to the single receiver side and then ran vertical out of number three 
and number two in the trips, knowing that that backside safety, if we run him on like a deep curl, is going to come up on the single receiver. Yeah. And now there was just one safety to guard two and three, and we hit the post right down the middle of the field. Hmm. Whereas if you put the back to the trips that year when they were doing that, mm-hmm. that backside safety is going to rob three number three coming across the field vertical. He's going to grab him vertical. And that's what uh, that's how we got beat. That's not we got beat a specific play in the Mueller game by that pretty much same scenario. He took that backside safety. He robbed the trips and they released the back mm-hmm. opposite. Gotcha. And he went up to see him against our yeah. Jack it was like a Gotcha. Yep. It was like a so who knows, maybe they're doing yeah. the, the same trips check. Was the back was the back to the to the single receiver side? So it was cover for poach so backside safety is responsible for three vertical to the trips um our jack backer was down on the line we we're just in our eagle front you know our you know mm-hmm. um under jack was in a rush peel technique so he took like two three steps up back releases but instead of running a wheel or a flat he runs right up the seam so i mean if he's peeling he's got to get that guy yeah man, so so, yeah, yeah, yeah so it's they, tough. A, yeah. Tough assignment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what, that back is pretty damn good. Yeah, what mm. side was he lined up on though? That's the question. He was lined up opposite. Two, no, he was lined up to the single receiver. So, so, so they may have go. changed it. Yeah, but, since then, yeah, I imagine it's, yeah. it changes week to week yeah. or something, yeah. or throughout yeah. the game even. But, or but it's the, the season. Thing, you know, it's yeah. the thing that he didn't. You know, he didn't attack the flat. He got just outside the tackle and upfield. Yeah, turn turn it into a sprint. Yeah, yeah. that's really tough. Um, so something like that, just a quick question. How many plays do you need to see to like, okay, this is what they do against this, against back to the X versus back to the trips? Uh, so we had, I think we only had two game film, like the scrimmages and their first game since we were week two. And it was just something like when I used to game plan, I look at formations first. I don't give a shit what plays I want to run. I figure out, okay. Which formations are beneficial to us from a personnel standpoint? My offensive philosophy was always, how can I leverage the box so I can run the football? Mm-hmm. So I would find ways, and that's something that Fitch does too. And, and against McKinley, I don't know if you guys have the play, but they, they do that. Like if I was two by one and a team wanted to keep you know guys in the box and not cover that slot receiver right on the man, I'm throwing it there right now. Like, that's my best athlete that I have. I put in the slot all the time, and I'm throwing that right now. <clears throat> so what teams do, like, okay, well, once you throw that, they've got to pull someone out there, and that's one less guy in the box. So, But, yeah, I used to watch film, and, and, and I would just say, like, okay, why are they doing this sometimes on trips, and then why are they doing this on other times? And they used to give a hand signal. Madison used to give a hand signal. I forget what it was. Maybe, like, they like tapped the helmet or did something, you know, with their hands. And that's when I'm, I'm figuring like, okay, why are they different here? And then we ended up looking and it was the back where the back was lined up, which makes sense because if the back releases to the weak side, you, you can't just, they didn't want their linebacker matched up against him. Yeah. You know, now they may think like, okay, well, this guy's good enough to do that. Yeah. So we don't mind. And early week one, how much do you have in? Like, week one is such an advantage to offensive coordinators than it is defensive coordinators because defensive coordinators are so, like, 
tendencies. What have we seen? What do we see? Because you can't game plan for what you haven't seen. So, like, in the preseason, I would always set shit up. Like, we're going to run this bubble screen 15 times in the preseason and put it on film, and we're only going to put, like, this guy there. Like, when he's there, we're throwing bubble. Because I know the defensive corners will be like, oh, anytime number four is, uh, you know, number three, they're throwing the bubble. So we <laughs> we would come out and just, like, first drive of the game, maybe not first play, pump the bubble and see, like, yeah, you'd see defense pointing like, hey, here comes bubble, bubble. Pump the bubble and throw the seam right down the middle field. Yeah. So it's like it's so tough on defensive coordinators week one, you know, to prepare for that. Motherfucker. Stuff. We So you were there in 18, right? At? Glen Oak? Uh, yeah, yeah. I specifically remember talking about you guys played a team week one, and I don't think there was much sled in there, mm-hmm. but you scored on the bubble and go. Yeah, that was uh, we played Whitmer, who was loaded, and actually yes. our quarterback Kendall Richardson was really good. He got hurt like in the second drive against Mass, and our season was over. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was a really good athlete. Broke his leg, but yeah, I mean we we would we'd throw a bubble in the preseason, and then we'd throw the bubble with the seam down the middle. I mean, I I did it like at Hoban. We would do it, and actually, I think three seasons in a row we got Parma Padua with it. They would just fall for it every time. Like we wouldn't throw the bubble and go during the season. We'd keep throwing bubble, bubble, and the first year we played them, we hit them with it. And the second year, I'm like, Tim, you think we could do it again? Like, do you think they'll fall for it again? And he's like, no, no. So we're up at Parma, Padua, and it's like third and, I don't know, four. I'm like, Tim, let's do it. He's like, no, just we're running the ball. We're running by. I said, like, you, I won't call a play the rest of the game. You just entertain <laughs> me and throw the bubble and go. He's like, fine, do it. And we freaking score a touchdown again. So now we're like, oh, my God, it happened two years in a row. So the next year, it's a new coach at Padua. I'm like, he had to watch film, right, that we've done this three years in a row. First play of the game, we run the bubble when they go. And we get, like, we don't – I don't think we scored a touchdown, but it's like a 50-yard gain. And I'm just like, these people not watch film. You know yeah. what I mean? But, mm-hmm. Yeah, but you could set people up. I mean, that's, that's tough. You know, they probably didn't see that running back running up the seam. Well, they probably hadn't showed yeah. that. It's just something they had in their back pocket. And it, it was like watching – so the three, he was hauling ass straight downfield. Like he, yeah. he knew his job was to clear out that safety. Yeah, yeah. Don't cross the goal post. Yep. And so you've got room, yeah. The the single-side X, he was running like a deep uh, curl to hold the corner. And if you watch the one and two to the plate, to the trips, they're just – half-assing something like they know the ball's not coming to them yep so that that seemed like a schemed up like all right we got this yeah i mean that's like i said that's just offensive corners have the advantage the first couple weeks of the season because defenses don't have the full book on what offenses. and that's why it's tough like you play a team multiple times like i remember when i was at hoban we played saint v four times in 366 game days wow so it's like what the hell are we going to do on offense that they haven't seen? You know what I mean? So it's kind of grasping at, at, at straws. And, you know, and, and you've seen that sometimes, like, in the years Massa McKinley play back-to-back. You know, how many times has a team beat the other twice in one year? Has that happened much? It's usually like Not whoever often, wins yeah. the first one, the next one wins. My senior year, uh, we played them. It was the first time we beat them in three years, regular season. And then we played them again in the playoffs up in Kent. 
and I, we shredded them through the air pretty good. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like, and watching that game back years later, when I really understood football more outside my own job, uh, they they were like, "All right, we're playing, you know, cover two man mm-hmm. all game. We're not going to let them shred us." And our running back goes off for like two hundred yards. That's yeah. what'll happen. Yep. So, uh, we want to keep chugging through film here. Well, that's it. All right. Well, third down stop. Just a hitch. You know, one on one. I feel like that's a tough play for any corner. Just one on one open field tackle like that. Yep. We're always told that any open field tackle is a good tackle. Oh yeah. <clears throat> All right. What else we got now? Okay, so we got some trail highlights. Uh, I really only wanted this in there because you can see some uh, more run concepts are running. This first one, it was like a just a zone insert. This one, just a little power action out of our split backs with Pringle in the backfield. Something it seems like we're finding more success with this year. There's that uh, zone insert again. It's like just if you drew it up on a whiteboard, it t- it looks like ISO. But like I don't call it ISO because the way you the way the blocking works out, it's not downhill like fullback right at the backer. Is so, this the same play? The next this that was just right there. Uh, Is this the end zone view? No, I don't think so. Because no, I think if he on that last play, if he goes on the outside shoulder of the puller, it's a touchdown. Roll it back, Rob. Yeah. So Let's see, so we got got uh, this tight end left, fullback right, zone insert. Throws me off when they switch positions, since I know he's our tight end. Yeah. So like if he yeah. if he goes up the left hash, mm-hmm. I think he might be gone. Instead of he, you know he's he's quick to hit that cutback. See, just another zone insert. Hit that cutback there. But that's another. One. He's making it harder on himself. Just follow yeah. your core. Yeah. Like that one was there too. And he's he's one of those kids. Like I've coached kids like him. He's like, get me to green, get me to green. So if I see any green, that's where I'm going to go. But you kind of loot. Like once he learns to follow the outside shoulder of his puller, and like, okay, yeah, sometimes I'm going to get tackled at six yards, but sometimes I'm going to hit the big one. It's going to be easy. Like <clears throat> big time running backs that you see in high school. They play between the hashes. Mm-hmm. Like, well, some of them in, in mm-hmm. big games try to get the corner. Yeah, and, and like you see him, he starts, he keeps trying to run away from people to the sideline. When he gets really good and starts to get that vision, like he's going to be hitting home runs between the hashes. Yeah, I think that's, it's kind of, I mean, I've never had anybody else break down his film. Um, he does cut back a lot, and I've never looked to see when he is, when he isn't. But I've always thought, like, it just seems like he has amazing vision because he hits some of those cutbacks, some of those creases. But, yeah, maybe there's a bigger hole that he missed. Yeah, and, and, and it's not a vision. It's just sometimes it's like trusting the play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's not like he's bouncing them every time. Yeah, he's just, no, no. Yeah. He's just, he's, he's like doing too much. Yeah. A little bit, like on, yeah. on these clips. <laughs> Probably what he's, what he's been used to with us. I mean, you watch, you go back and look at, like, the Hoover game from the 2020 playoffs or the one – whoever the hell we played when he went off for like 300 yards, got the rushing record at Maslin, single mm-hmm. game. He was hitting the backside A-gap, A-gap on power like every other play. Mm-hmm. And now, granted, it was there, so it's like you can't watch film and say, oh, he shouldn't have done that when yeah. he's you know, toting it for 15, 20 yards on it. But it is something that I don't know if you know games like that build bad habits that couldn't really get over last year because mm-hmm. the season was cut short. But – 
Yeah, that's that's the things like can hurt you. Like I last year I watched the film when Hoban played Bishop uh the team from New Jersey that beat their ass week one. I'm trying to think of the name of them. They're from New Jersey. I Oh well. Anyways, so the first play of the game, the Lamar Sperling kid who's really good, like he does the exact same thing. The pooler's coming around, he cuts it to the inside, and in about Ten yards, he's got to juke the backside backer again, and they end up making the tackle with the safety. But if he just stays on the outside shoulder and just runs through, he's going to meet a safety in the middle of the field at, like, 20 yards, which, let's face it, free safeties aren't making tackles and running backs yeah. when they're in the middle of the field. So that's just, like, little things that as the season goes along, if he can fix that, it's going to turn into long touchdowns in big games. Mm-hmm. But you see other plays, like, I remember we – played the clip on here from the Mansfield game when it was we got the touchdown, got a holding call on it, and also are the only team in Stark County I've seen get a flag thrown on that same Colbert High celebration. So it ends up being like first in a mile for us. We run power, and it's just a mess up front. You know, the the lane's not there or anything. And it looks like he, you know, he presses where he wants to be sucks that backer in and then just pops it out the backside yeah. a gap for like 20 yards yeah no i i, I mean he's a talented dude and and he he makes a lot of plays out of nothing that's just one thing watching film that i'm like you know and, and maybe he's not used to running getting behind that guard as much because you know they do run a lot of that inside zone yeah. kick out the opposite yeah. side and i guess this is and it's tough to see it happens fast oh yeah, yeah too <clears throat> And plus, how often do we really get to play, you know, even-level talent? Yep. It's in high school when you're a dude like Trell, you're playing 90% of the time just because there's not enough teams out there. You're playing a bunch of scrubs that you could just out-athlete. Although it's it's tough. Like you were talking earlier about when you guys play Bookdale, how crazy they are on defense. Mm-hmm. I would rather play a team like St. Ed's as a play caller where I know they're going to be where they're supposed to be when I call the play. Because, like, how many times when you play Bookdale, they're standing, like, two guys in one gap or doing some dumb shit that doesn't even matter and blows up your play just by luck. Yeah. And then being an athlete. It's like, St. Ed's, I know their linebacker is going to be where he's supposed to be every yeah. single time. So it's easier to call play, you know, against a team like them. Now, executing is a little bit tougher because they're better, like you said. But just from calling play standpoint, I'd rather play a good team that I know where they're going to be. Sweet, sweet vindication. I said last week uh, that – playing a team like Ed's where they, you know, they have dudes, they don't have to throw junk at you. Yeah. Like Mansfield did with that, yep. you know, bullshit, just over-exaggerated 6-1 front. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not to throw my shoulder out pat myself on the back, but it feels good to get a little vindication sometimes <laughs> for my, all the shit I throw at the wall. <laughs> all righty. Let's yeah. see what, what else he does. All right. Just looks like a little inside zone action, popping it out the backside. See, that's another one. If he yeah. gets on the outside shoulder of that puller there, mm-hmm. he's he's got a huge gain. <clears throat> a little pass pro action. Oh, right nope. there on the outside yep. of 49. Yeah. Right where it's supposed to go. I only have a 10-second yeah. rewind. Yeah, but Make it work. Right there. Yep. So there's no one else. There's the guy out on the numbers that's going to have a tough tackle, but you got your tight end going out to block him. Mm-hmm. And then you got a guy in the middle of the field. Stay on his outside shoulder. 
That's probably a touchdown. So this would be something, you know, for the fans in the stands, like, oh, why do we keep running it up inside? Exactly. It's, it's there. there. Yeah. Yep. got to trust your fullback to make this block here. Uh, and they do. It. 77's got his guy on, sta- on skates. I yep. mean, a little pass pro action, picking up a guy that really isn't even his guy, just uh, they run that funky stunt. Similar concept there. I don't even know. I watched that play like a, more than a few times, and I don't even know if that's like a stunt they were trying to run or if he just – that was just the rush he decided to take. That one, though, that was a stunt. They brought him from that's the opposite stunt. side B-gap. Never mind. That's <laughs> a different different play. Uh, de- definitely a different play. I was <laughs> Yeah, exactly. A little dart action pulling the backside tackle. Not a play we've run, but we've run, you know, counter tray a couple times this year, so it fits. If you got a tackle that can pull. I, I mean, I like giving teams different things to look at. You know what I mean? Because when you get to the playoffs, mm-hmm. eventually everyone's got like eight films on you. Mm-hmm. So these defensive guys are like, oh, I mean, I guess we got to make that scout card. Yeah. Like, you know, so I, I like them, what they're doing on offense, not just saying, hey, we're two by one. And we're going to throw the post, and we're going to throw the deep out, and we're going to run power, and we're going to run zone. I mean, I think, I, I, and I, like I said, I think Jalen, you know, gives them ability to be more creative with his athleticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you think that, uh, so we added Coach Woods onto the staff this year. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar with, like, with his con. I mean, he was an offense coordinator when I was a sophomore, but, like, kind of remembering back of, like, I mean, what he was doing when he was, he was here uh, and quarterback coach at buffalo i believe at one point the university of buffalo yeah he is the offense coordinator for the arizona cardinals he was or he was a position coach for the vikings at one point uh, he might have been interim head coach at university of buffalo buffalo oh shit he went to miami after he was at maslin mm-hmm. went from he was at maslin for one year went down to the university of miami oh R- the red red hawks the uni- Miami. Miami University, then yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, Ohio, okay. Miami, say, Ohio. Say Miami, Ohio. Whatever. You said the University of Miami. That's the U. He was at Miami, Ohio. Thank you. Following there, but uh, I know he came back. He he's there this year, and you know, like you said, with our personnel with Slaughter, like that changes things a little bit. But um, I don't know if you thought like maybe his him being here may have changed stuff, or if there's wrinkles that you might have noticed. Yeah, I mean, I think every time you get add someone new to the staff. You know, they come in with ideas, and someone like him, I mean, you're obviously going to listen to. You know, so when he speaks, it carries some weight. So I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure some of these changes have to do with, you know, his opinion and what he sees on film. And like for me, I, I was such a, like when I game plan, I was such a week to week guy. Like we were going to run power, it depended on what we were going to run it out of. Uh, there were some other running plays that we would run some weeks that we wouldn't run other weeks. And there were some in the passing game. It was like, okay, where can I create deep shots? So we were running shit like that was new every time to say like, okay, how can we create this deep shot? Because those are the plays like when you're a running team, you know, that, that make a difference. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not someone that said, like, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do every single week and stop us. Like, it's mm-hmm. – they don't make a lot of changes on offense. If you outplay them, you beat them. 
you know, I was someone's like, even if I had the talent, I was still going to game plan. Like I've got, we've got to coach these guys to victory, you know, have a winning game plan. So, yeah, no, I, I definitely think, I mean, obviously it's an advantage. You can add someone to the staff like that. I think I rewound it a little bit because I wanted to see this touchdown. The old two-point conversion. Yeah, two-point. Um, Wildcat, second time we threw that look at him. Not Ed's, but in general. I think the one place Maslin's got to improve on, on offense mm-hmm. is there's going to come a time where they're going to have to run the ball down someone's throat and win at the line of scrimmage for three yards, for two yards, for four yards. And, I mean, they're, that's that's where I think they need to improve is, like, getting off the ball and getting movement on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So is that just – when you say that, are you talking, like, scheming up personnel, motion, or just, like, tell your dudes to, hey, go fucking hit <laughs> yeah, somebody? Yeah, you got to just get up. I mean, you got to get bigger. You got to get strong. Obviously, they lift through the whole year. You know, you got to get off the ball. It's about footwork. It's about – Double teams getting your ass together with the other guy. You know, it's about getting to the second level. You know, those those types of things. Hand placement. There's a lot of things that go into that. All right. So, that's Charles' highlights. Uh, next one. This is... Let's find out. Maybe a bad recording. Looks like a bad recording there, buddy. It might be. I don't. They're not all tens. Okay, so this one is the Banks touchdown. Obviously, missing a lot up at the beginning to really show what's happening there. There you go. So you don't really get to see the motion of the backside slot across to show the man coverage, mm-hmm. but that's exactly like why you run that play absolutely with the window dressing on it. You get that motion, and obviously teams see that you can kind of hide, you know, man or zone tells. Like, for instance, if I'm Ed's, I'm not, and I have like eight weeks of film of them doing that, you know, once, twice a week, mm-hmm. I might have the safeties rotate rather than have a guy follow across, really uh, mess with the quarterback's reads. But, you know, not something we necessarily showed before. Just really good job to give slaughter the answers to the test before the ball is even snapped oh yeah the other thing is you know those linebackers were definitely read and run there so i don't know if you know the tailback gave him a little fake you know like i'm coming downhill like he goes downhill a little bit before because that opens up the window too you see both those linebackers Mm -hmm. take two big steps to the line of scrimmage that's um and i don't know if that's like just the virtue of who we are as a team that we're going to run the ball down yeah. your throat or in our pass pro, you know, you see our back get up to the line of scrimmage, get in the gap. Mm-hmm. That's something I remember talking with Mazer about that in like 2018 of like how I liked how um, Thomas, he would like kind of hang back more to the quarterback. And at the time I thought, you know, get that wider field of vision, read your inside to outside backer key, who you're looking for to block. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, we don't want that. We want him to get up on the line. Yeah, get out of that quarterback's way. All right. So we got the little pop pass to the tight end. This is 
I watched this play like a few times because I was thinking, you know, maybe this is an RPO where he's looking, reading the backers because you see they just suck up like yeah. like moths to a flame. I don't think it's an RPO because if you look how wide the running back's arms is, he's really like being over theatrical on the handoff. So I did I didn't pick that one up. I like that. What told me it's not an RPO is the receivers up top faking the tag screen. Yeah. Banks just takes like you know a couple casual steps. Like I'm not mm. getting the ball. This this ain't my job. Yeah, but just a really good you know addition to what we do. How much we run power. They even block power there. You know, linemen aren't getting upfield, but tight end. We always run it inside the tight end. So yeah, that's a great play call. Great great timing too, because you know the quarterback a lot of times. Throws that ball too early before the guy's looking, or he throws it too late. I mean, that is a tougher pass than you would think, just from a timing perspective to throw, because you've got like a three-yard window to complete that pass. He's might have even been like a half a step late on delivering this, but yeah. But you got to make sure his head's around because you beam him yeah. in the back of the head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Great play call. Now looks like a you know a yeah. not top ten. Like, okay, now he gets his head around right when he released it, you know. But I really like the fact that because we run so much, you know, A-gap power, we're not running power outside the tight end. So when we do run it to his side, he's getting a field to look for a linebacker. So they're not they're trying to get around the block. They're not trying to cover the Well, they saw – they read pull too. Yeah. I mean, they if you're a linebacker and you see someone pull, you're you're – Done. I'm not thinking pass anymore because if I don't react to it, mm-hmm. well, now they're coming at me. You know, that's why, like, uh, the 49ers for so long, like, they they were running, like, in the NFL, they were the first ones to really, like, bring it back, was running, pulling on play action because it just creates that space where the linebackers have to step up and opens the middle of the mm-hmm. field up. So, like, those linebackers read pull. They've got to go. be like, hey, it's run. Because you know, if, if you're hanging back, I mean, now they're it's, that ball's coming right at you. So, I mean, that's that's a great job by Maslin. And, and that's trusting your offensive line, too, because that guy's vacating a space right in front of the quarterback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to love to do that uh, with a tight end in the game, just out of, like, a pro set formation with Danny. I used to do it since he was a big, tall quarterback. We would run, like, ISO. Or, or we would tell the, the backs to run it like ISO, but we would pull like we're just running power. And, you know, we play a team like St. V's who really wanted to get those safeties into the run game. Mm-hmm. And we'd throw the post over their head constantly because it is so tough to tell the difference when you're under center, you're in the eye, you know, the quarterback's backs to you. And in the, the gun, it's a little bit easier, you know, to see, but it is so tough on a defense, you know, to be able to to read pass when someone's pulling like that. And that's something Tom Brady talked about in the NFL. Him and Gronk made a living off that play for years, and he stole that one from Peyton Manning with the Colts. Mm -hmm. When you just get that pull, linebackers flow, easy. To your point, Hank, I wouldn't be surprised the next time we do this if our receivers have a little bit more effort. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you see that high safety. He sees bank walk, walking, and then you talk about how small of a window this is. Absolutely. You know, if this safety is reading anything besides Banks right here, I mean, you can see he's like, "Oh, Banks isn't doing anything. I'm gonna just turn around real quick," and then he's the one yeah, that oh, oh, he's like, "Right now." And but he if, makes, 
Yeah, but maybe if he's reading in front of him more or something. But, yeah, I mean. You're absolutely right. Anything else to, yeah. That's the same with running backs carrying out their fakes. Like, how often do you hold that backside linebacker on your fake who's chasing a guy down, you know, 10 yards downfield? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the same type of concept. But really great play. Uh, and now it's something teams have to be wary of. So how For much sure. how much does uh, having constraint plays like that help all your base shit? Like we've talked about before on the you know the fake screen and go, the bubble and go, just any stuff that works off of your base plays. How much does that open that stuff up? Because it's something more the defense has to look for. Yeah, and I think it's something you can do week to week too. Like you can set it up off it. So like before. Um, we had run like to twi- we'd go like twins with the tight end to the opposite side, and we'd run the end around to the slot guy, Alpha Power. We'd fake power to the side of the twins and run him on the reverse. Well, now, like you said, they've got a game plan for that. But now the next step of that is faking the reverse and throwing the post down the middle of the field. So yeah, you can set stuff off even off those little things right there. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Um, Maybe setting up a screen off of that, you know, like, hey, we fake the handoff here to the tailback. We look the pop, you know, try to look at the pop real quick. Safeties jump on it. And now right now we're throwing the slip screen, the jailbreak to the, you know, receiver or or the tailback on the other side. So, yeah, there's definitely stuff you can do off of that. But, yeah, I was always, like I said, I was big on, you know, running what we run out of the formations that I like and then creating plays like that off of it like okay this is going to be there because the way they play it mm-hmm. so like for example we we played Louisville in a playoff game and we would go two by one with the fullback but i noticed you know when they go trips when we go trips they have a trips check but if i put that fullback now as a wing it serves the same purpose to me as trips but they aren't counting as a trips check so they're short a defender over there. So we ran him on like a go route, like across the safety's face. Mm-hmm. We ran two vertical, and he's like, well, I just got to be on this receiver because that's a fullback. I'm not paying attention. We run right down the middle of the field and, and score. Those are little things that you can game plan yeah. off of, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I you get to set shit up all the time. You can, set, you can go back up and set up shit like – I'm I'm playing another team that runs the same defense as St. Ed's. They're going to say, like, they're going to go look at, okay, what did they do against Ed's? They run a similar defense than us. And then you set shit up off of it. All right. I think this is Pringle's highlights. He's a stud. Uh, so first play is the uh, second and short game-saving strip to recover the fumble. What what year is he? Is Junior. That's what I thought. Yeah. I think everybody save for like a corner and is that it on defense? Welch is a senior. Moore is a Moore. senior on defense. On offense, the right guard is a senior, and Banks is a senior. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah we got we got talent. You got back. dudes coming mm-hmm. back. Yeah. So yep, this is the big strip. He gets it out and recovers it. Yep. And that's just something, man. You got to tell that running back, like, hey, you get this first down, just go down. But I understand that's something hard to tell a kid, you know, when you're fighting for yards. See that, that little stem in the front action, moving up front. They try and run their – I can't really tell if that's power read or just 
fake power read, yeah. Q power all the way. Look how he dips on this one. Just <sighs> gets underneath that block. Yeah, he's good. Red zone action. I was surprised they threw it here. You know, you get a rollout. You got to make the. He's got closeout speed too. Yeah. Another power read, handoff to the running back, which is really exactly what our defense wants you to do. Just step up, you know, make the fight through the mud and get up in there. That's a massive offensive line for Eds. Yeah, they're big. They're so big. Good, too. I think they had like three offensive linemen offered by Penn State. Now look at the touchdown. You know who he reminds me of, and you guys probably remember him, but I think he's more athletic. Remember that Newman Williams for St. V? It was number 34. I believe you guys played them. What year was he? He was – They were when they won the state championship, he was there with, like, Dante Booker. Yeah, like I remember Paris Booker Campbell. and Campbell. Okay, yeah. yeah I we, think you guys had a crazy game here against yeah, – Yeah, we played him that year. Yeah. It was a stud. He was a linebacker. Dude he, was a dude. Yeah. It, yeah, Pringles that, a more athletic version of, of Newman Williams, I feel like. A more athletic version of a state championship linebacker. I'll take that. Yeah. I think he played at Akron U for a while. Uh, just some Wiggins highlights. That's less a Wiggins highlight and more a slaughter one. Just like keep having to drift back because the, uh, you know, the rush was getting there. And to get that ball off on the drag route in stride. That's a long throw, too. Mm -hmm. You're almost at the opposite hash, falling away across your body to the other side. I mean, that, that is a long throw. Okay, this is uh, my favorite part of the play, though, right here, Hank. Standing around, standing around. Here's your sophomore receiver, Toll, saying, get back in there. We're trying to win a game. Mm -hmm. Sophomore receiver coming up there and reminding you that the clock's running. Yeah. Just a little heavy personnel, play action hitch. Corner's playing off. Take the easy yards. Enough team like Ed's wants to give it to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't go broke taking a profit. Yeah. I love it. Just more tag screen action. I mean, good block. Let's see what we got here. A little rollout smash pivot. I like the way the pivot route works on the timing on smash on a rollout. It, it squeezes the corner. It creates more separation. So yeah. you watch that corner as he goes in, he squeezes inside the numbers. Mm -hmm. So it's going to create because, and then you get his momentum going there for a step or two. And it just creates more separation. Yeah. I think like on this one, it looks like the corner starts going with the corner. The corner goes with the corner. The corner goes with the flag route more on this one. Like thinking that the one's gone. They go, oh, he's gone. I'll just go with this yep. flag exactly. right here and then whap up. Yep. Pivot's open. Easy yards. Just a little tag screen off inside zone. Slaughter sees two over two. 
I like how Banks switches what guy he's going to block because the first one was slow playing it. Well, Standers, man. Same play as earlier, just falling back on the drive. Another first down. Yep. Key pickup, too. That Because that was, uh, I think, part of the last drive. Where it was like, this is the got to have it. Nut yeah. up time. Yeah, I think both of those were there at the fourth quarter. I mean, you guys, as fans, have to feel better about Jalen Slaughter right now than you did two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, it went from, you know, I, I saw the talent, I saw the potential, but he is a young sophomore. I yep. give and take. Now you're starting to see the stats are going up, the numbers are going up, the percentages are much better than they were. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely looking a lot better at the yeah. beginning of the year. Yeah, he's he's impressing me. And, I and think he's still, still going to make some mistakes. mistakes. Yeah, it's yeah. going to happen. It's going to happen. But. but I think the couple things that really stood out to me on his last couple stat lines, more than just like the yards and completion, is no interceptions. Yep. You know, sophomore quarterback, still relatively fresh to the game, hasn't seen much, and he's putting the ball where it needs to be. You know, there's a couple throws where it looks like he's got a horseshoe stuck up his ass where on that late over the middle to the snag, not something you, like you said, in film room, like, hey, let's not do that. But he's not making bad reads. Yeah. Were you guys running a lot of those uh, patterns that you're doing stuff across the whole field at the beginning of the year? Because sometimes for a young guy, you try to stay like, hey, I'm going to take half the field away from him, not make him read the whole field. And now you see them running these, like, you mm-hmm. know, double-cross mesh-type patterns mm-hmm. where he's got to read more than just the guys outside the hash on the side. And I think that shows growth, too. So, yeah. I mean, like, the drive. Yeah. yeah. During yeah. the offseason this past year, I went back and looked at, like, you know, once he got – once he was a starter, what were we running? Just – Nothing but weird concepts. Smash, sail, pick a full, side. Yeah, yeah, pick a side. Yep. The deep out. Um, anything going over the middle was off heavy play action. One or two deep routes. This year, you know, the first time we were in, we were in drive with that the dig in the drive yep. route. It was out of uh, we had the tight end running the dig. Not something we normally do. So I saw that and I'm like, oh, we've been repping the shit out of this. Like mm-hmm. this is something he's comfortable with. This is something we like. They trust him. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's something we have run quite a bit this year. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he keeps the ball pretty safe. I, you know, even when he was having low percentage games, the passes were safe. I yeah. Mean, that's that's been pretty consistent for him. So this is a Fitch film, right? Yeah. This is the Fitch versus Ursuline recap. Uh, just a couple highlights that they got here. They're just out of nub trips. They run. Two three switch verts, and the two just gets lost in the sauce and man to man easy just... pitch and catch. Yeah, they they do. They're very simple on offense. I've seen them a couple times. They're just like you know they're they're similar to what like my offensive philosophy used to be. Is just where do we have the numbers advantage, uh, and you know just take advantage of that. But they've got this D end. Mm-hmm who's got offers from everyone. I think that's probably him right there. Everyone in the country. Yeah. He is a stud. So they're, they're going to have to chip on him and give some help and protection because he, he can change the game just like that. Yeah, I have a, I don't I don't know if it's considered a, a hot take at this point maybe, but I was watching some of his film, and, 
you know, who am I to say that mm-hmm. every college in the country is wrong? You know, and Georgia's offering him, Auburn's offering him, he's going to Ohio State, going to Michigan, all these camps and everything. I think it, there's a lot of potential to be had there, oh, that's but I think he's still really raw. I for being a Ohio State, Michigan, Auburn, Georgia caliber player, I don't know if he's going to look like that on Friday. I yeah, think he's. Re- I mean, he's he's got the size. He's really good. He's got a frame that they can pack thirty pounds on. Yeah, he's got the speed. He's got the ankle bend. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he can dip. He can do things with his. Ha- he uses his hands. Those are the things he looks at, and he's. There's definitely plays that you're like, well, where was he on that play? But then yeah. there's flashes like that last play that you're like, yeah. well, we can't let that happen to us. So no, I I get what you're saying. Like he he is not. He, he looks he's like getting a puppy. Recruited he looks like a puppy. Potential. Yeah. I mean, there's times where I see him out there and like he's he's playing tall. Yeah. He's it, looking to see where the ball's going. You know, the blockers are on his chest. They're just not you know good enough to sustain it. He kind of swipes them off at the last second. It's like. Man, a good lineman's going to yeah. you know, do some damage there. So go back to that last play there because I watched that a couple times today. So they're lining up in super wide bunch, which is just a run key all the way for me. Might as well be have eight offensive linemen out on the field. Uh, they try and run dart, so tackle, pull, and it looks like a read to the boundary. And it looks like Fitch has an edge blitz coming off. They, they like to blitz off the edge and do mm-hmm. twists with their – their down end and their uh, you know outside linebacker they like to switch there to try to get like you know a lot of these offensive tackles are just so used to kicking and kicking and kicking yeah and they leave too much space or expose their post foot or and then that puts the guard in a bad position too if he's got to get out if you're in gap protection on the back side that stunt can really hurt you they try to do those types of things and this Ursuline team is down they are not as good as they were last year they're not as good as quarter, at quarterback they're not as good on the line so i mean they are down this year i mean they lost in the state championship game but so how the ends play out here tell me if i'm wrong i think the actual down on the line end plays this a little too conservative because if you're you know if you see the read like that and you know you have an edge blitz coming off just crash on the dive all day because you know you have a guy outside of you taking the quarterback yeah some people do that yeah and it looks like he just plays it soft and has the edge blitz coming off the end here kind of like lets the handoff happen they just i i can't really see the fumble like if the running back didn't really get a hold of it or what but I think this play could have been a lot better than well, – it's hard to say a lot better than a fumble recovery for a touchdown, but just watch it play out and tell me if I'm wrong here. Yeah, I think since he plays so wide because he's athletic, they're putting him wider. Mm-hmm. Now, that the way that handoff happened, he was trying to play both instead of just saying, yeah, I'm going to attack the dive, you know, which yeah, he should, probably should have done. But then you also have these coaches, too, that are teaching, like, attack the mesh point. Mm-hmm. But when the back's to you, it's tough to see that mesh point. So, yeah, he probably should have taken the dive, knowing he's got someone off his edge for the quarterback. But, yeah. So, yeah, that was my main takeaway from that one. And I don't know. I like I tend to hyper-fixate on smaller things. So it's like if you don't know that you're, you know, that your option – Sound because you have that edge blitz that you can crash on the dive a little harder. What else don't you know? Yeah, he's a puppy. He's a puppy. 
It's a little shotgun ace formation, outside zone. Yeah, the thing about Fitch is they've got four guys on offense that can go right now. Just give them the ball on the line of scrimmage, yeah. Yeah. and they can they can run. Yeah, Quarterback, guys. tailback, receiver against McKinley on the second drive. So first play of the game against McKinley, they throw a double pass for a touchdown. They throw the bubble. He pulls it out, throws a pass down the field. Their second offensive play against McKinley, they're just in a simple two-by-one, and they've got the fullback uh, opposite. They fake. You know, the, the backs do the fake. He just turns and throws the right-now spot to the slot, and he takes it to the house 60 yards because McKinley's just playing off of him with a, you know, McKinley's thinking, like, okay, we're, we've got athletes. We yeah. can play 10 yards off the slot, and we're athletic enough. Mm-hmm. They, they had no chance of tackling this dude. Like, he he went. Yeah. So that's why, I like, like, they get – and the other thing, they do this, like, tight um, spread stuff to try to help dictate the coverage, try to help create space, do stuff like that. But I really like what Fitch can do. I think Maslin – is better than them as a football team as a whole, but they've got dudes that can go the distance on you. This one here, I really like the play design. Basically, just get a two-on-one on that deep corner. And their quarterback's really efficient, too. Like, you'll see when he rolls back, if you go out back to that play, you see a lot of quarterbacks in high school, and they roll out. They finish towards the sideline. It's so important to finish downhill at your target when you're throwing the ball, and this kid always does that. Like, see him going downhill, yeah. and it's just it's such more of an accurate pass. The Omar Vizquel technique. Yeah. <laughs> I would always teach my uh, infielders to do that because it's, it's so natural not to finish it. Omar Vizquel, if you don't know. I don't. Oh, my goodness. Um, he was like... A twelve-time Gold Glove shortstop, not bad. Played for the Indians, yeah, in the nineties. Uh, but even being that, every time he threw a ball to first, he would take two steps towards first after he threw it. Get that muscle memory, and it was just it forced him to always finish right at the target. So he's not yeah. Chuck not blocking it. In yeah, <laughs> and I remember like hearing that learning about that and i'm like oh my good so then i started trying it i'm like wow it really forces you to go mm-hmm. right at your target so i would start teaching you know high school kids to do that i'm like oh yeah. finish right at your target yep this i i think the receiver drifting just fucks his quarterback on this one runs like a curl starts to drift behind and sorry kid yeah, yeah. the ball wasn't there when he wanted it to be so yep I think Fitch, like, uh, you know, obviously they're 5-0. and um, They saw a talented McKinley team who was just a mess at that point defensively. So I think this will be, you know, kind of a wake-up call for them. This one here, just horrible linebacker play is all I got out of this. They're a little undersized on the offensive line, too. Yeah. Fitch. Mm-hmm. So that was just a little Q counter plus one, you know, fake the sweep and – Four of the box defenders, like playing linebacker ish, followed the sweep action. Yeah. Like the extra blocker wrapping didn't have anybody to even find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, overall, I think Fitch can probably score, 
on yeah. Maslin, but I think like their defense is just if they, if they do if Maslin does things that they did last week against Eds, yeah, they're gonna score 35, 40 points on Fitch. And when I was watching, uh, I watched like kind of the first half of this Ursuline game, and what I noticed was that Ursuline was kind of running on them a little bit mm-hmm. in that first half. And then, I mean, they ended up with 296 yards. I don't know how many how many of those stats are garbage time stats, mm-hmm. but uh, they were running on them a little bit. And the amount of times that Fitch had a one-on-one tackle, good tackle, but even the announcers were talking about it. They're like, yeah, he just saved a touchdown. He just saved a touchdown. He just saved a one more athletes. One more block, and that was going. One more block. And I'm like, that's a lot of one more blocks for Ursuline almost having four touchdowns in the first half. So, yeah. uh, I mean, good tackling on Fitch, but... I think we have a chance to break off some big runs on them. Yeah. Um, just real quick, we'll take one more quick break, hop out of film room, finish up our thoughts on Fitch, then uh, finish off the rest of the show, huh? All right. Cool. All right. We ran a little long, as we are want to do. Drew had to get out of here, but a uh, big shout-out to him, you know, being on the show. Uh I thought it was a great conversation. Had a good time with him here. That just goes to show you what a little shit talking on Twitter can get you out of life sometimes. So, again, shout out to Drew and the rest of the Stark Media team. We'll blast them out on the socials. Go give them a follow. They put out good content. So, you know, something like it seems to be what we do, but a little more broad, not just for the Masslin audience. Yep. Uh, so, with that, we will finish out the Fitch preview. I think, I think, uh, he kind of gave us all of his thoughts on it. Pretty insightful stuff. Um, so I kind of know, knowing he was coming on the show and that he was covering Fitch this week, so he would have an idea. And you said you dove down the rabbit hole of Fitch a little bit. I didn't really do much homework in my research of them. I heck put in the group text that, you know, God bless him diving into the yappy boards. I refuse to go on that hell hole, but, their general feel is this is the most talent they've had offensively mm-hmm. since they've started playing us again. Um, my only other impression is like looking at the schedule that Ursuline was the you know best best team that they've played so far at four and one. Everybody else is. Let me roll through the schedule real quick. I had I just had it up. I promise I just had it up. Yeah yeah yeah. I got it. All right. So Nevada, a one and four Nevada team, a one and four McKinley, one and four Glen Oak, one and two New York team, and a four and one Ursuline. And we watched the film on Ursuline just now on the pod. And you and I scrolled through a little bit last night. They didn't impress me that much. So they don't seem to be like a real battle-tested team. They have athletes. They got a good scheme. You know, if you want to see what they do on the whole, go back and watch every other Fitch game we got on the YouTube channel right now. Not we, WHS, you get it. So we're not going to waste much time talking about that. But they do seem to have athletes. So, Rob, you want to take a quick roll through their roster, see what they got cooking? Yeah. So, I mean, to say they have athletes is kind of an understatement for Fitch standards. Uh, I mean, like you you said, our friend, uh, heck, the whole reason he brought this up is he didn't want us coming out here and just saying that, oh, you know who Fitch is, well-coached, disciplined, undersized, not a lot of athletes. Same thing every single year because this team is different than we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have the athletes, you know. Like uh, Drew said when he was on here, you know they have three, four different guys that can take it to the house at any time. 
their quarterback is good. He was their starting safety last year. Uh, he can still play safety for him this year if they need him to, but haven't needed. He doesn't play. Yeah, he's, he's their quarterback. Uh, their offensive line not huge. Um, I mean, it is still Fitch. Six three two seventy five six one two ninety, but then that's when it tapers off. Five eleven two thirty five ten two twenty six two two forty. Wouldn't be a Fitch team if they didn't have an undersized center. Yeah. So uh, Rocco. <laughs> yeah, Rocco. Uh, line's not huge, but uh, not a bad line. Let me see here. That left tackle who's six three two seventy five has Youngstown State offer. Uh, let's see. But it's it's the skill players that you know that's what it is with them. Uh, let's see their top four receivers: six foot two of five, six one one sixty five, five eight one fifty five, six two one eighty. So let me see here. Uh, the one has an Iowa State offer. He's their number one threat, Cam Smith. And it looks like he can play anywhere of the four spots. Yeah, so uh, they can move him around. Uh, Let's see here. He's he's your queen on the chessboard. He's you know you move him around, can do anything, get him the ball, and good things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's Z six one one sixty five number two threat. He's the number one deep target. Uh, he's a deep threat player. That's what he is. Uh, their H was injured and didn't play last week against Ursuline, mm-hmm. and that's where you saw the Cam Smith guy move around. Uh, and then their X is a deep ball threat, but appears to be their number three, maybe number four when they're fully healthy. Uh, let's see here. Their running backs, they have two good running backs. Uh, Bowling Green offer for one, Toledo offer for the other, 5'10", 5'10", 190. They're both very physical. Uh, they have good vision. They put, you know, they play behind their pads. They have speed. Uh, good running backs. Let's see here. A tight end. Not in the right home. Not too much to talk about. 6-2-2-10. And then their quarterback, Deshaun Vaughn. 5'10", 175, and he's a junior. He has an offer from Toledo. Deshaun Vaughn. That's a great name. You you love a little... uh, Deshaun Vaughn. Alliteration. Yeah. That's that's not alliteration. Alliteration is like the same sound. Yeah. Yeah. It, It doesn't have to be the same starting, you know... Same Deshaun starting letter. Vaughn. I mean, like they, like they rhyme. I might be going but, for like, rhyming. Is rhyming also alliteration? For the sake of me hmm. not being wrong for the hundred times tonight? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is. Uh, he throws a good ball. Uh, he's got a strong arm. He's accurate. And he runs it as well. I mean, they do some QB reads. Uh, they do QB draws with him. Uh, so, good athlete and uh, pretty protective of the ball. And yeah, like what Drew said, Takes care of the football, um, good technique, just good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, on their defense, they have that player we were talking about. Name is Brian Robinson. He's a junior, 6'5", 230. Hey, we had one of those a few years back. We did have a Brian Robinson. Yeah, B-Rob. Uh, I think he also goes by B-Rob, actually. Uh, he's got offers from every school in the country, essentially. Um, not an Ohio State offer, but he's done visits with them. Uh, he's gone to a couple of Michigan camps. He he was kind of the player I was looking at the most mm-hmm. because he, they're making him out to be some absolute world beater. Uh, he's in the Under Under Armour All-American game as a junior. Do they separate it now by grades? I have no idea. 
I thought that was like mostly a senior thing in the back. Whatever. Uh, he's an Under Armour All-American. Um, offers from everywhere. At 6'5", 230, he's not like this humongous defensive end um, mm-hmm. that's just going to run over your lineman every play. He's, I mean, like I was alluding to earlier, he's still very raw. I'm, I'm, I say he's like a puppy because there's times where it looks like he's just kind of out there. Like he makes some plays, he gets there, he gets home, but he's not some just dominant force where he's coming off the line strong, ripping past your tackle and getting to the quarterback. It, it seems like he he's athletic, but not dominant. I haven't seen it. I watched some of his own highlights, and it looks like an eighth grader's highlights, a freshman's highlights against eighth graders against freshmen. Whereas, mm-hmm. like you're making plays, but it just looks like it's not as physical as you would expect. A yeah, I think he's I think he's a three star, maybe four star athlete. It's rising. His stock has been rising, 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 right? He's, mm. He went from, um, you know, Youngstown State was all over him because he's a local kid, and now Georgia and Ohio State are on him. So, you know, it's it's been a rising process for him, so three-star, four-star, whatever. Um, but I just don't expect, you know, like Jack Sawyer to come out here and run over your left tackle 20 times in a row. I haven't seen that. I'm, I'm sorry. I think he plays a little tall. I think he's blockable. I think he's a product of just pure athleticism sometimes i mean we'll see i I, he's obviously good yeah but i'm just trying to bring down the the hype he's going to georgia thing like Mm. not saying he is but like that's the biggest school that's highest ranked school that's offered him so far so i mean defending national championship offers a pretty good yeah uh, so you know six five two thirty like no body fat but like you know that's completely different than six five two seventy going to so yeah um but really good player opposite him is another d1 defensive end xavier dawn 6'3, 250 they're both juniors he has offers from toledo and the likes of that nose tackle 6'3, 275 as a senior offer from youngstown state um out of the three he's the least but he's still a college bound football player yeah Linebackers starting to look a little bit more Fitch-like. 5'10", 180, 5'10", 190, 5'10", 190. Uh, and, then they have, and then they have a jackbacker, 5'11", 205. Um, but he's the least notated one out of the group. So he might be the biggest, but least notated. Um, the one, DJ Williams, their Mike, 5'10", 190, has an offer from Toledo. Looks like Toledo's all over the school. Uh, they like to blitz. You know, we talked about that, but, you know, not a huge linebacking core. Mm-hmm. There's safeties that receiver Cam Smith. He's a starting strong safety for them. Uh, let's see. The other safety is 5'8", 160, and it looks like that might be one of the weaker spots on their defense. So a point worth attacking. Uh, Deshaun Vaughn, like we talked about the quarterback, he can play safety. He was a starting safety for him last year. And in crunch time, they can do that. I don't know if it would... 
I guess it would come down to the actual game itself. Yeah, the flow of the game. But I'm trying to decide on if they would even use him against us. I mean, are you using your quarterback in week six to play safety when you're five and zero? Oh? Maybe if you have like it, a maybe if you have like let's say you have a five point lead with a minute left and you're on defense. I mean, but then again, he hasn't been playing defense all game. So do you, if this is anybody but Fitch, because like let's make no bones about it, Fitch treats this like their McKinley game. Yeah, you know, like we treat it. But it, you don't, you don't want him to get. Yeah, this is their. I guess. It would be a huge statement. So this is their championship right now. This is their Ed's game. Yeah, I think it's still very flow of game dependent, mm-hmm. and how much he actually reps it. How much safety does do you think he reps? Because like in my scenario was they're not getting the ball back. They have to make a stop. Yeah. So you put the best player out there, but without playing all game at safety, like is he your best option at safety? I don't know. I mean, if he was a starting, Maybe. he was a starting free safety last year. So if that's the position you're going to play him, if he's been doing his homework on, you know, yeah. watching film and stuff, then really that's free safety is about being an instinctual player and being rangy. It's not necessarily, you need the reps at it. I wouldn't think. Yeah. More so than like, say a Mike linebacker or a defensive end. Yeah, there's there's just still something to it that being out there in coverage yeah. of you know missing a step or like you know but no, yeah I mean it's it's definitely like he knows how to do it he started there all last year so there's something no you definitely have a point there I'm just saying like if you're mm-hmm. gonna pick a position to be able to plug somebody in I think that's the least one that they would struggle with yeah I mean the Mike who's been reading guards all game long yeah is repped out and picked up on subconscious tendencies that he doesn't even know about Mm -hmm. but you're starting to get a feel for the game whereas you're just inserting yes i mean i get that free safety you can just kind of go out there be rangy i get it uh the corners five eight one fifty six foot one seventy uh let's see did i see they have a list of left and right corners they do have a list that is left and right correct they might want to change that up otherwise that uh Little five eight guy is going to be matched up on a six four. Well, the five eight guy is also the one that was hurt and didn't play last week. That's a shame. So, the one that did start was five eight one forty. Yeah, so they might want to change up uh, how they move the corners. Or around. wait, no, he got hurt at the end of the Ursuline game. Oh. So he did play, but he got hurt at the end of last week's game. So it's not even like a week's recovery so far. Mm-hmm. It, you know, injuries could have been, you know, we're up big. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, he tweaked, he tweaked his ankle and he's fine, but, you know, just pull him out anyway. Or like his leg could have snapped in half. I have no, I didn't watch that part of the game. I don't have the injury report. No idea. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's their team. So it's kind of a 50 50 mix of it's Fitch. They're well coached. They're well disciplined. They're a little undersized. And they also but have dudes. now they have some dudes to go yeah. with it. Yeah, so, yeah, they are a little bit undersized, but now they have the athletes. So, um, not your typical Fitch team. It's not the ones that we've seen mm-hmm. in years past. I mean, of course, last year they had a good team. Yeah, that quarterback could slang that rock. Yeah, quarterback was good. Um, so, that is something, though, I'm looking for is the corners. Do they keep them on, keep that left and right side corner, or... Or do they flip them, try and avoid that matchup with the undersized guy versus Banks? Because obviously, dude, you can be the best five eight corner in the world, but Banks is six foot four. That's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, he is their best corner though. Um, 
He's 5'8", 155. The other one's 6'170". I mean, yeah, I don't know what the difference in talent level between them is, mm. but the shorter one is listed as their best corner. And so I guess... Which does make... Yeah. It does make a difference. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're you going to have a height disadvantage. It happens. But positioning, mm-hmm. you know, if you can squeeze a guy to the sideline, if you can be physical or cut off routes, I mean, yeah, the quarterback always has a kind of safe outlet of putting it high. But, I mean, with a 6'4 receiver, you can do that against pretty much anyone. I mean, I I understand there's more to it than just, like, go mm-hmm. box them out and get that rebound. But, yeah, I, also, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they switch them, mm-hmm. um, if they're not doing left and the right. Are they trying to avoid the shorter guy on banks? Are they putting him on – are they specifically putting him on banks? It, it shows a lot about, you know, what they're doing, what they think of the players. Um, if your best corner is not guarding banks and they're following banks – uh, they they might be afraid of the height a little bit, yeah. and they might not think there's as big of a talent gap. If he is following them, that shows you a lot about what they think about the other corner. That he's taller, but and they've done that true double coverage before. I remember they did it in the red zone against uh, Trey Morgan back in the day. So do they take the old Bill Belichick Patriots approach? Hey, let's put our second best corner on Banks, and then have that double covered. And then leave our dude on our island opposite side. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting to see what teams do against us the rest of the year. Whereas Banks has started to put up those numbers that we knew he could. Plus, and now teams are really having to worry about those one-on-one plays with him. Plus, he recently just decommitted from Toledo. So now you don't just have Banks in, like, coming on, trying like getting a rhythm with a slaughter. You have banks in a prove it mode looking for that bigger offer so i think we're gonna start to look a little scary here in the near future yeah absolutely all we got for fitch uh do we have any spreads to go over oh uh, a wonderful tuesday evening i don't think i got them yet no i usually have them by now but i don't have them well if we don't have spreads then i guess we just keep removing um it's probably for the best anyway yeah I think I'll take the line they probably have us Maslin minus 12 my first instinct was 15 and now I might reel it back into like 13 14 but I think 12 12 is probably somewhere in that area is probably good that's my guess of anywhere from like 9 to, anywhere from like 9 to 18 I would guess so I'm saying that because the Drew Pastor Pastor however you say his name yeah the Fantastic 50 whatever he had us plus 17 to Ed's and minus 9 for Fitch so I'd imagine that big game jumps it up off of yeah. Ed's will bump our line up a little bit, maybe get it up to a two possession game. Yeah. Well, two touchdown game. Yeah. I mean I think it's somewhere in that vicinity. It's not it's not what I think the score of the game will be, but I think that's where like the line would be set. That's yeah, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. if I was trying to guess it like personally, or uh, Aslan minus twenty one. Yeah, I, I would take the over of any spread that we've mentioned so far. All right. I like it. Or mass on the cover, I should say. Um, 
But yeah, that's that's about all we can, I guess, muster for the spread talk right now. Well, on the subject of him, though, he did have us ranked as the second hardest schedule in Division in Two this year. Yeah, so that that's something, and also something that kind of like made me sad, but in a way that I'm not sad about. Last I looked, we were minus twenty four against McKinley. My, how the mighty have fallen. I don't. I mean, I don't see how they can put spreads out that far in advance. But well, he he does predictions for every game. Yeah, but doesn't it update every week? It does. But that was you know that was created when they were zero three. I looked something. at that. I think right before the Edge game. Oh, so day or two before. All but, right. So they were zero four going into that. Yeah. But yeah. You know, let them come into their own. They had a big win against mm-hmm. Green. Um, so, you know, they could tie some on, they could go through the fed. I thought you, I thought you were about to say they could tie a game or two. They could tie a game or two. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they could, yeah. um, you know, the, the fed is not world beaters this year. No. So they could, you know, hey. why can't, I don't know what their schedule is, but why can't they win until week 10? I'm rooting for it, man. Cause Lake's good. But they're banged up. Hoover's not great. Glenoak's not great. No. Just played Perry already. Gotta just gotta play that stink off of that last regime in there. Um yeah. you know, it's tough. Like we mentioned earlier. Moore's first year, four and six. Rough one, but made it to the playoffs since then and haven't looked back. Yep. So hoping for that kind of turnaround. Uh keeping her moving though. Get in some fan questions and uh, get the hell out of here, huh? Yes. All right. So, what do we got first? Quick question. Uh, who is our backup quarterback? Not asking for any particular reason, but just curious if we have one or if it was more of a put an athlete back there type of situation. So, so I think McConnell yeah. is one. And then there was the one that we ran out against Mansfield. I was going to say, I was under the impression that McConnell would be our, like, number two in real live fire type mm-hmm. situations. But he was getting a lot of playing time on defense against Mansfield. So when it came time for the twos to go on an offense, we put in number 82, Jacques Carter. We had a nice little lengthy discussion on that one yeah. just because incredible number and name for a quarterback. Yeah. So I think – that is the official answer to the question. Yeah. And then also, I mean, we, we you've seen us do a little bit of Wildcat. Mm-hmm. How much of that we have, I have no idea. You know, we, we have a couple of plays we can sprinkle in with Wildcat. Would we be able to sustain a drive to ice a game? You know, let's uh, say, you know, let's say um, Slaughter gets kicked out of the game because his pants are too short in the fourth quarter and we don't have replacement pants for him so he has to come out of the game we have a four point lead the ball on our own 30 with three and a half minutes left yeah can we ice a game out of wildcat i don't know well i mean you could probably well i mean so you could probably just hand it off with a backup quarterback every time but but, now I'm just like curious of like but, could we do a drive but straight out of Wildcat? Point, you yeah. might as well just run Wildcat and eliminate the step because if all you're just gonna do is you know hand yeah. off her time, so have then the you extra, gotta look yeah, at go plus one. How much 
do you have in the Wildcat package? So we have power. Like we've seen that run twice on two point conversions. Then what's your auxiliary run to play off of that? Is it outside zone? Is it inside zone? Zone insert? Counter? Counter trade? Like, and then do you have any kind of window dressing on it too? Do you have? Can we run? Do you have the jet sweep? Do you have a fake jet? Can you? Do you have any sort of read option element to it? How much do you have in that package? Is how much you can run that in the open field and not just keep it as a two point play. Can we run our two back set, but with Trell as the quarterback, and then have Pringle and Mylon Lennox as the running backs, running back, fullback, whatever. At that point, and then also have like reads and shit off of it, or just straight. So how much? I I know that like this is going to be the entire morning for you tomorrow is drawing up what you would do with that no, set right there. That's You're not going to be do my it. entire morning. You're it's going to be it my next five days. Okay, see, there you go. Yeah, Just having Trell taking the snaps and then Pringle and Mylon Lennox back there. My only real concern with that would be how much practice time can you devote to Trell running the option and actually reading guys and getting the handoff down. Yeah. Beyond that, Gimme. Gimme, 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 gimme. Because, I mean, you could kind of run some of your same stuff out of that, yeah. but then just also have, like, the reads off of it. Yeah. And then add in, like, a quirk of, like, just, and <laughs> just straight lead with two. So, I mean, beyond that, you can almost get away with not having any sort of option element and just making the backfield action look the same for a few different runs. Say you have, like, a stretch play where you're handing it off to Milan with Pringle lead blocking mm. where he – where Trell hands it off, and yeah. then you have, like, a fake that stretch and counter coming back the other side. Yeah, I guess since you're taking the quarterback element out of that, you could treat, even though Trell is the one taking the snaps, you could still treat him like the running back mm-hmm. and then use one of the extra running backs as just window dressing. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Much. I like that. Much Take easier, the handoff out of it. Time. Yeah. Yeah, and you're still running the exact same play you would have been with Trell getting handoff. The only downside to it, though, is as an OC, you're kind of guessing how the defense is going to play. I mean, you can still do the check with me stuff to get an idea, but you're still calling the play rather than letting the quarterback make the play right. Yeah. No, but I'm saying, yeah, you could always just add. That would be also quick. Yeah. Yeah. And And then again, on the flip side of that is any sort of option play, the defense is dictating who gets the ball. And if I'm a defense seeing Trell take the snap, I'm saying, oh, hand it off every time. Yeah. So just some We're gonna we're gonna force the option team to hand it off. Yeah. You know? And then you have Pringle going for six yards of carry. Yeah. Eight and a half. Eight and a half yards of carry. There you go. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Um So there's our backup quarterbacks and our theoretical wildcat situation. Uh, let's see. Next question. I didn't like read through these all earlier. Uh, the consensus has always been that there's young talent on both sides of the ball, but can they play disciplined football when it really matters? A certain amount of mistakes is warranted early in the season, but we continue to see it even going into this week. Imagine how good this group would 
B, if they played a little more discipline? Can the coaching staff extract that from this young talent this season? So we talked about it before in the Ed's breakdown. We saw some mistakes. We did our best to lose that game at certain points. But we got the ball back, and when it came not crunch time, we executed, mm-hmm. and we executed beautifully. These are kids. You got 15, 16, 17-year-olds out there. Mistakes are going to happen. You're not. This is not Madden yeah. on easy mode. These aren't robots. It's a bunch of high schoolers running around playing ball. You're going to see mistakes. It's going to happen. I'm still going to be hard on them for it, but it's part of the game. Yeah, I mean, the team is going to continue to grow. I'm trying to do, like, just some mental math of how many kids weren't, like, full-time starters last year. And it's just a lot. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 I kind of stopped I would thinking about it. I would say most. Um, yeah, so most, <laughs> more than most of them were not full-time starters last year. Some of them got some reps. Uh, but they were young at the time. They're still young now. We have sophomores out there. like Plural. <laughs> sophomores. Uh, I mentioned earlier that we only really have like four seniors that start. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, like some of them get rotated. So as a young team, there's going to be growth. It's going to continue to happen. Uh, a little bit more battle-tested. You had Moeller week one where it was like, oh, man, did we just give up a lot, right? We blew some plays. Against Eds, there were mistakes, but not just, like, completely blown coverages. Um, stuff, you know, not getting into details, but mistakes happen. Fumbles are going to happen. I mean, I think a big one is... I'm not, I'm not crazy about that kickoff. Just because it seemed like we didn't have, like, you know, he went untouched. That yeah. happens on a well-blocked kickoff, right? But it seemed like he could have went untouched without an extra, like, you take away one or two of his blockers and he's still going untouched. And that's what I'm not happy about. It, I didn't like that aspect of it. Well, we always try and kick the ball into that little box in the corner, you know, in between the five and the goal line, in between the numbers and the sideline. And it seemed like that kick would have landed right on the PAT line. Yeah. Pretty much where most of your kick coverage team is not running to. You whiff on a kickoff, ball goes where the blockers aren't. No, you still have lanes. That's. I understand what you're saying. There's a reason why we kick it where we do. But you still have lanes that you have to cover. Yeah. It's not like, oh, we accidentally kicked it down the middle. Here's a free touchdown. Well, that is what happened. No, that's what happened, but that's not what was supposed to happen. You kicked the no, ball you, down you the middle. You generally don't draw up your kickoff coverage to <laughs> But I'm give saying no matter touchdown. where that ball gets kicked at, yeah. you should have lanes covered to prevent no, big I, plays. I understand what you're saying. doesn't matter where the ball gets kicked. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you place it in a corner or there might be a weird window in the kick, you know, yada, 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 right? We probably didn't plan for it to get kicked right down the middle. And we didn't really, I don't think we kicked it on the middle after that. No. But you kick coverage is still fanned out enough that you should have lanes, lane integrity. So that, I'm not happy about that. But that's one of those things you clean up, you get better at it. 
I don't think. Well, I guess it probably is a discipline thing. Now that I think about it, I'm assuming like there are people not in their lanes, but mm-hmm. I don't know that for sure. But either way, that's something that gets cleaned up. Um, there's uh, some personal fouls yeah. that happen. Also, something that should get cleaned up. But young I'll team, even, it's going to happen. I'll even go to something late in the game. Um, we get the ball back. We're trying to go score. Get you know, it was before our last possession. It was the possession before that, and we called the play action boot looked like quarterback wanted to throw the throwback and there was nobody there for him to throw it back to a million different ways to run it we've ran the you know running back uh wheel probably most of the time but you can always leak a fullback out there you can have your backside crosser just snap off and run backside again retrace his steps don't know who was supposed to be in the throwback lane. I would assume it was supposed to be Trell because we tried to go back to it like five or six plays later, and their linebacker made a hell of a job actually covering the play. But there was nobody there. Uh, so that's just you know another thing, even late in crunch time, that screw up. But you live and you learn. Yeah, I mean, we have taken strides mm-hmm. this season. So... Um, it, it's going to happen. It's still a young team. By the end of the year, you know, no team's perfect. But, yes, absolutely. Things will get cleaned up. Next. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Oh, we're going to be reading this all together at the same, for the first time. All right, let's see. That right. crowd. Woo! That's what we need on a weekly basis. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, crowd's been the crowd size has been good this year. Mm-hmm. I think they got into it this game, the Eds game, because there were opportunities to. That's what I I kept mentioning that I was waiting for a situation where the crowd can get into it. Mm-hmm. The Mueller game, we were down early and we're chasing hard to like get into it because even when we have a big play, it's like oh, we're, it's a big play, but we're down fourteen or something, you know. Uh, and then we're just we're up. All the other games, yeah, hard to get in, hard to get into it when you're up big. So then I thought it was it was good. Crowd got into it. They're loud when they need to be loud. Always room for improvement. But you know that's just me wishing that crowds were how they were 20 years ago. So, but yeah, back in the day, you know, dealing with what we have, thought crowd did did good, and uh, hopefully that can keep it up. Also, hopefully that's a big enough win that some of the 50-50 people out there like go to the games. The crowds start to fill in. Um, hey, we want to go watch them now. You know, I can sit home and watch it. Now it's like, oh, hold on. Like this mm-hmm. team, they you know, they just knocked off the number one team in the state. We're, we're going to go this week. Like, it's just good. It's just 5-0. and oh, It's like, hey, let's go. Let's go to the game, right? So hopefully it's another big crowd. There were some third downs. That place was rocking. And also I'm going to come on my hands and knees begging to the scoreboard operator. Don't start the third down stuff to get the crowd into it until like a few seconds after the ball's been spotted because it's kind of rough to like, you know, when the offense is working with the 45-second play clock. Yeah. And that just starts ticking, uh, dong, dong, and everybody starts getting loud, and then they're petering out before the offense even gets out of the huddle. See, I don't mind the scoreboard doing it because I think all of that noise during the early part of the huddle mm. – there's communication issues. Um, 
you know, it just adds angst onto them before they even get lined up. But for the crowd, wait until they break the huddle or like close to it and then start getting into it because they always peter so, out right before and it's a whole waste of a chant. At this point, I'm on the scoreboard operator now. Just because, because the fans can't do I, it on their own? Yes, correct. I can't trust the fans at this point to keep it going or like wait then get it going. That's what I like about the big games. What year was it? Um, it's when we played at Louisville. The year we played at Louisville. 18. In 18, like specifically that game. But there are other ones where we were like yelling at everybody to like shut up because it's third down, but there's a 45 second play clock. We'd wait and like everybody's like waiting around like, all right, hold on. When are they going to tell us? And it's like, all right, now, D, and, like, then everybody chimed in. Like, all right, we just needed, like, a ringleader, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's hard to do, like, at home because things are spaced out, and the mm-hmm. person on, in Section 5 has their own chant compared to this person in Section 3 has their own chant. Versus the, like, you know, everything's so spread versus out, the it's difficult. the TIG every 30 seconds. <laughs> so, like, it's so spread out, it's difficult. It's easier when you're in tighter, yeah. confined places because... Um, so that's what I'm saying. Scoreboard needs to be the ringleader. Yeah, Give it a couple seconds. So and- I, yeah, I'm I'm on board with you. You know, because you have to train the fans on how to do it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But hopefully, we can get the fans trained so then we can use the scoreboard throughout the huddle process and like get them a little rattled while they're trying to communicate the play and everything. And then I want to get us to the point where it's like a Pavlov's dog type deal, where it's like you hear the you hear the bells and like hell's bells or. Uh, something like that, and you just start automatically cheering out of nowhere. You like get the gym getting after it, you know, in the middle of bench and thong. Uh Let's see. At the midpoint of the season, my only gripe is the unsportsmanlike penalties. Yeah, it's something we got to clean up. Uh, I mean, it's not something that the, they're not addressing because being on the sideline for the Warren game was a bit of an eye opener for that one. Because, man, did it throw me for a loop when a kid got a penalty and then he had to go run Blarney's mid-game. Yeah. And for anybody that doesn't know, we have this cement post in the corner on the hill. Northwest corner. Yeah, northwest right corner. Right by Weaver's tailgate lot mm-hmm. um, above the locker room. And it's generally used as a, a punishment of some form or fashion of – Go run the hill, you know, like 5, 10, 15, 20. My junior year was 23 times in honor of LeBron James going to Miami. Yeah, just because we had nothing better to do. Because alignment had nothing better to do during a 7-on-7, seven seven, so we yeah. had to run at 23 That times. was probably the first, like, running you guys had to do all summer, so. Hey. Second? Do you want us big or do you want us fast? I'll take either. Shut up. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Uh, ball security needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, so I mean, fumbles happen. Let's limit them a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, Trout coughed up a couple in Glen Oak, unlike him, and then it was pretty good with it. I think a lot of that had to do with, like I said at the beginning of the game, I think they were so jacked up and like too high for the game that they weren't playing loose they were playing uptight and just Mm -hmm. they needed to loosen up a little bit yeah uh i'm gonna rephrase this 
but I think the reason for the blocked PATs was Ed's defense, not really the Tigers' fault. Ed's special teams? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Wait, I, you I mean our blocked ones? The ones we got blocked? Yeah. Okay, see, I read that entirely backwards. I mean, I think that's what he means. So, yeah, the blocked PAT. So, we've talked about it before, PAT, yeah. field goal. That guy was coming off the edge so fast. What? You only have nine guys to block 11 mm-hmm. because you have the holder and the kicker. So you're going to have three guys rushing off the edge. The idea is everybody steps down and the operation time of the snap to hold the kick is going to beat the speed off the edge. But Ed's guys were so fast, man. Yeah. Just flying off that edge. And you can't fan out to block that because then you're leaving an inside lane open. And mm-hmm. say the rush lane from the C gap compared to off the wing is so much shorter. Yeah, and that's what happened on the last PAT. Yeah. I'm assuming we tried to fan out a little bit further to protect the edge, mm-hmm. and they ended up coming right through the middle. I mean, um, if you want to see what happens when you try and block the edge rather than an inside gap on a PAT, watch the extra points to win the game for the Bengals versus Steelers week one this year. The left wing blocked the edge rusher. Minka Fitzpatrick rushes inside him and gets the block. I was supposed to have a blocked punt in high school. Yeah? Yeah. Garrett lined up on the wrong side of the field. It's high school ball, man. Kids. Which made no sense to me because for the whole week we had, like, it was like punt, return, Rob, punt, return, Garrett. And all it was is we just switched to where we lined up at. Mm-hmm. But when we called the play and it was punt, block, Rob, Garrett went and lined up on the wrong side of the field. Like, not – it's like there's only two spots you can be. And we're right next to each other. Just who's on the right, who's on the left. And then Garrett goes up and lines up. The wrong. So the whole idea is I think it was the outside guy on punt, block – and one would line up on the line and go cross his face to the outside, mm. and he would always take it. The other guy goes right underneath. And so I line up, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go right underneath. The, there's not, there, there was no one to... <laughs> There was no uh, one across his face. I'm gonna go. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna loop right around this crash. And where's my crasher? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. So I just like looped right into that gap, and it, so it's you're basically just whatever. running a defensive line game, which I yeah. I'll take this time for the back in my day talk. I got Adrian Knight a sack in the Red Lion game. Yeah. Lined up as a three tech. Crashed on the hip of the near tackle. He loops inside the A gap because the guard chased me. Gets a sack. I want credit for that, goddammit. I want credit for a sack against a team that had like six NFL players on it. Yes. And 20 defensive Division One college athletes on it. Yes. Put me down in the record books for that. Uh, back to this blocked PAT thing. Yes, Ed's was insanely fast off the line. I think it was more them being good than us bad. With that being said, if you have a good snap, good hold, good kick time, it shouldn't be possible for kicks to get blocked. But this is high school. I don't know what our times are compared to like the high school standard, but 
I, I just don't want to blatantly throw out there that, oh, they're too fast, can't block it, nothing you can do. I mean, obviously, like, you get to college and NFL levels, they do it. Right? They have faster guys. But so, you also have dedicated long snappers, holders, kickers yes. to get that So I'm not, I'm not throwing it out there and just like, oh, well, it's impossible as it's too fast. But I'm assuming we are within the good range for time oh yeah everything seems like a solid time for high school so i think eds is just really fast and that sucks but um you know i that's the first time i remember that we've ever had an issue like that so yeah i eds had the kid that could do it yep it's speed and timing talent like you have to be you can't just put the fastest guy out there he also has to be good at it so hey I mean, good for them sometimes when you got the dudes you put them in the right position yeah. and you just let them be dudes uh that Conversely, was firstly a- the other side of that which the way i thought i was reading it is yeah we had nothing to do with the fact that their kicker went over on the night i'm just really happy that he did go over because that was the difference any single one of those was the difference in the game yeah uh you know we gave him two shots at it I had a hard time believing that they were kicking that first one. Yeah. To to tie it at the end. I don't remember how far it was, but it was further than I thought he could kick it. And then he kicked it, and it landed like in the middle of the end zone. So he did not have the leg for it at all. Fortunately for them, we gave them a free play, gave them the extra yards to scoot up and try it again because we messed up. You know, I see that's the. There are things we got to clean up. Like There's the more I talk stuff. about yeah. it, it's like more. It's like, oh yeah, I got to clean up that, clean up that, clean up that. Um, so we do have to clean things up. But you know, go out there and win games. Uh, and then he missed another one. Just mm-hmm. pulled it. Yeah. And the crowd was loud. Got into it. You just missed the last one. Pressure's on you, kid. You're 0 for three. He plus, was 0, he was 0 for four at that point. Plus one that didn't count. So 0 for four. You know, it's in your head, but. Um, it was nice to see that crowd got loud for it. And, and I do want to say, like you say, the more you think about it, the more stuff you there's to clean up. There is. Like, we did walk out of there with a W. It was a phenomenal game. Yeah. And all that little shit that needs cleaned up, I think, in the general view of the game, gets lost in the sauce a little bit. And I'm like, I more than happy to be the one to bring up like all this little nitpicky shit that needs cleaned up because they can't for like you can't forget that stuff yeah. you know if we ended up losing that game if we walked out of there with an L that stuff you don't need to say because the team knows it because you look at the final score you look at your mm-hmm. record but when you, you, win, you have yeah. that constant reminder there yeah. that we need to clean all this shit up or we could have won this game with this, it's like we walked out of here with a W. You beat the number one team in Ohio, the 19 in the nation. Again, going to keep rattling on that even if it's not true at the end of the season. Um, but you harp on that stuff because it does need cleaned up and can't get lost in it. It can't be that you can't just like, oh, my God, what a great game. Good job, boys. Like, yeah, you played a hell of a game against Edzo. You can't – I don't want to be part of that rat poison yeah. As Nick Saban would say, for this team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good, especially from. Yeah, I know it's a big win, but I know from the team's perspective, it's like enjoy it. You know, have a night. Yeah. Friday night, have a Saturday to enjoy it, and then we're right back in. It Fitch is good. They're tough. They're aggressive. They're chippy. 
it's going to be a chippy game. So, I mean, you got to come up. You got to be disciplined. Uh, because, like everyone so far has mentioned, we do think Maslin's the better team. But you can't go out there and just give teams free points. Nope. This is their McKinley game. They're 5-0. and They want to make it. This is their statement win. Mm-hmm. It's what they want. So uh, take it serious. Clean it up. Get out there. And from the get-go, you know, I'd like to see a nice clean game against Fitch because I think that would be a statement. Yeah. You go out there. You do everything right. You know, no turnovers. One, t- you know, appropriate amount of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Appropriate amount of flags too, no, because you don't want yeah. to see a appropriate zero flags. flag game. Yeah, because then you're not playing hard enough. We had this conversation. But we need before. the, you know, but we don't want it sportsman likes. Mm-hmm. We don't want after the whistle penalties. You know, get that out. Yeah, get that out of the way. We don't want any of those. Go out there, beat Fitch by being the better team. Mm-hmm. You know, Fitch. It's gonna be a good game, but yeah, you gotta take it serious. It's gonna be a really good game, but yeah. So, is that the last of that question? Uh, yeah, I think there was one. Uh, yeah, Fitch will be a tough game. Was at the end of it? Uh, you already replied to that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's. I think that's. We it. got a couple more. Did we get anything in here? Yeah. No, not in there. Uh. uh all right, so we got one from Mr. Max. Consummate question of the week winner. I expect the young linebackers to show potential, but I didn't know they'd be this good early. We need to clean up the unsportsmanlike penalties. All right, so there's a resounding theme. Yeah. Uh, so let's just all agree with it. Yes, we need to do that. Didn't know the linebackers would be this good early. So the comment to that would be, I told you that we might have the best front seven in the state before the season started. You did call your shot. But with that, whereas I thought our linebackers could be a strong suit just because we're above average across the board, they were all, they're all juniors or juniors and a sophomore that gets in there. So I thought it also might take them a little bit to get acclimated. But our defensive line is so good that it takes a lot of pressure off our linebackers and it lets them go out there and make plays. And, and they're they're disciplined players, you know. We talk about we, we didn't talk we didn't talk about it, but we showed one on film tonight where on Pringles highlight he scrapes over and makes a play in space. But what gets lost on that is I believe it was the Sam is not letting it get outside by um holding contain against the I think slot receiver or something. Mm-hmm. So it, it where it looks like Pringle's gonna have to chase this guy to the sideline, the running back is forced to come right back into Pringle. And to your point, the only reason he bounced it is because our D line was yeah. up there clogging up those gaps, holding the point of attack, not letting mm-hmm. those double teams get off onto the second level, which leaves our backers to be able to work side to side like that. Yeah. Our linebackers are really good. Our defensive line is really good. We've added depth to our defensive line, which helps. You know, Bond's back out there, healthy, uh, making plays. And then we also have a few other guys that rotate in where I remember Coach Moore talking at the Booster Club meeting. 
I think it was like going into Mansfield. There was a defense lineman where he was like, yeah, you know, a month ago, we didn't think this guy would like be a contributor for us at all. And now it's like, wow, he's, you know, we, we have to get him out there because he's been doing so good. And that shows a little bit of the growth that these players have, you know, within one month of actual reps. They can go from, you know, scout team player to, oh, we need to play him on Friday nights. But just a little bit more depth we have on the defense line, keep their keep those legs fresh, mm-hmm. and keep line men from getting onto our linebackers. Yeah. that's I don't have anything else to add to that one. Um, is that it for the question? Yeah, that's, I think so. That's all we got tonight. Rob, you got anything else to add? No, I don't think so. So, I like Donnie's question last week, are we walking out of edge with a W? Yeah. We're going to start doing that at the end now. What do you think? Fitch, we walking out with it? Well, I'm going to say yes every week. I mean, you have to. It, it's a little bit less pressing against a team like Fitch rather than Ed's. Mm-hmm. Just on who they are. No slight to Fitch. That Fitch is chippy. They're good every year. And they're... Compared to every other Fitch team, they're due to the fuck up this year. So, it's going to be a good game. But, like I said, man, I like us. I like us by a lot. W's, boys. Big dubs. With that, go Tigers. Beat Fitch. Beat Fitch.